Welcome to episode 365 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alright, team, welcome along to episode 365 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Iles. How you going, mate? I'm good, Bevan, and you? Back in the studios, mate. Back in the good old dark studios. Dark studios, it is dark. When's the shortest day? Uh, it's not far away, about 10 days away, I think. 10 days, bring that on. I, like fact, I think it's later. exactly 10 days away. Well, that's good to know. And uh, apparently it's Tommy's birthday this morning, mate. Tommy's sixth birthday. Been up doing the pikelets for breakfast, sushi for lunch. Got to have everything he wants on his birthday. That's right. What's, what's happening for dinner? Uh, well, it was a toss-up between sausages, which he loves the sausages. Jeez, that's pretty easy. I know, or um, tuna potato cakes. So, oh, your your son's easy. Yeah, so we're going for uh, sausages. Sausages, nice. And, and what did he get for his birthday? More importantly, Lego. Nice. Uh, good. It's good going to the states just before birthdays oh, because it is everything good. is nice and cheap. But Lego, but a Transformers from the the robots in disguise. Little, I've got him some little eco building house or something. Does so. he like making things? Does he? Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. That's Do you like good. making things with him? Uh, yeah, I was struggling with the Transformer this morning, I've got to say. Really? I was struggling. <laughs> I'm talking is proudly brought to you by? Coffeesofhawaii.com. Just that tasty, tasty coffee. Extreme endurance. Galactic buffer. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. And I've just clicked on the wrong screen and SLS try. Your cool gear. Nice. Yeah. See what they're cool gear? Yeah. yeah. I was at the gym this morning, John. Can't believe that it's only. Uh, I, was, I, was at the, I was at the gym at five thirty. Very impressive. Well, because you've gone swimming in the morning now. Every, yeah. You know, we, we used to start the show right on six thirty. <laughs> Middle John was always a few minutes late, but yeah. you know that's okay. I, I'm patient. And then John started swimming, so the show's moved more probably, probably closer to seven now, hasn't yeah. it? I say six forty-five, but I need to hear about seven <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then he complains about other people being late, but hey, I'm not one to whinge. So I thought, well, maybe I could train in the morning as well. So I went to the gym. The All Blacks are training there. Oh, really? Yeah. At that time in the morning? Well, the ones who probably benches. Huh. Yeah. I remember one time, Sunny Ball, one, one time, last time the All Blacks were in town playing, and it was during the week, and so all the All Blacks were at the gym, like all mm. the A guys, and uh, Sunny Ball Williams, mm. was, uh, for the, I'm sure a lot of you guys will know who he is, but for the Americans and that out there, he's basically one of the best. He's like the David Beckham of... of uh, of contact sport, really. Contact sport, yeah. Yeah, because he plays rugby and league, and uh, the guy is a specimen, specimen man. Like the boy is just an impressive man to watch. And uh, but I tell you what, I've never seen so many females in the weights room ever. <laughs> like, yes. All these girls who always just do like aerobics and stuff. Suddenly the weights room was just packed with chicks. Like yeah. they didn't even know what they were doing. They were just yeah. standing by a machine pretending they were doing something. Nice. It was very good. Anyway, in this week's show, we've got a little bit of news. We've got um, what have we got? We've got an age group of the week. We've got Paul Larson on the show, John. Yes. Uh, so he's going to be do- talking about um, some strategies for dealing with some heat and a new little gizmo that they've come up with. It looked pretty interesting. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I was trialling it in Kona. And then you've got a million questions at the end. What's all that about? Uh, I've got a few, but I, will, I basically put a post on on our Facebook page if anybody had any questions around Epic Camp and Kona or my race. So I figured, knock it on the head in one show. Okay, well, it looks like we've got a few. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get time. through them pretty quick. Okay, how about we go time limit for each question? I'll just give a I'll give a quick concise answer. I doubt that will happen. Shooting you down. Anyway, John, last weekend Ironman Cairns happened and uh, pretty good race. 
It was. I mean, um, Luke Bell went out there. Not Luke Bell, Luke McKenzie. It was great to see him win. It was. Um, he won well too, I, didn't he? I've got to say, I was pretty pessimistic when I was uh, I was watching the race unfold. Sorry, bike split. Yeah, he was just storming off the front. You know, the lead was getting bigger and bigger. He was riding with Clayton Fatel. Uh, what did Clayton? He got a drafting call, and then he must have just dr- off drifted away. off, fallen away. Because he's like twenty minutes faster than the guys in the top ten. It was uh, it was a staggering performance, and I was like. Man, I seriously hope you know what you're doing because if he blows up on the run again, he's going to look like a right dork. So, for example, he did a 4.21.52, second place did a 4.40, 4.43, 4.38. Now, Clayton Fatale did a 4.35, then 4.42, 4.39, 5.03. You know, he was just miles ahead of anybody yeah, else. I think it was about a 15-minute um, lead that he had off the bike. So it was uh, it was pretty impressive. And yeah, he just went out there and spanked it. And I saw a little interview with with him after the race. And yeah, he said he was riding to power. He's just got in his own and, and just started chugging away. So um, so good on him. Now, did he say he just kind of eased off in the run? No, he was hurting on the run, it he sounded hurting, like. Yeah. Um, so I think we've got, we've got to look at the standard of the field there to start with. Um, I mean, you had Macker in there, but he had been in hospital with some kidney bloody thing going on early in the week, so I don't think he was quite the force. Brownie dropped out, I think, uh, at the end of the bike ride. If we look Why was back, it just far behind? Uh, he was far behind, and I think he was just crook, I think. Oh, okay. Um, but if we, if we look back to last year, you know, as stunning as this performance by Luke McKenzie is, um, we look back to last year's times, and you always times are going to change a bit, but bit from year to year, but they were similar to what he did. So last year, David Dallow rode 4.33, still 10 minutes slower, but his finish time was 8.15, and Cameron Brown went 8.22, Jimmy Johnson 8.29. So, um, whilst- yeah, but in saying this, you know, with McKenzie, he tends to be a kind of go-and-blow kind of guy. Mm. And, uh, you know, the names you're naming there, they are still A-class athletes. Oh, they're top teners. Yeah, yeah top exactly. So, you know, like, this would be a big confidence builder for him mm. moving towards Kona, won't it? It will be. And, you know, he only ran a 301, and I'm not trying to belittle his performance. It was a bloody outstanding performance, but he's still going to really need to ramp that run up and be um, well under three hours to be to be a, to be a top five. He's, he's never going to win Kona, but, you know, he, he could be a top ten sort of Kona athlete. Um, and if he can get that What do you run, think he has to run? If, like if he can pull off a stupid bike like this, where he just goes, no, well, he won't get that far in front and and, and like a Kona. No, but get, if he can get a field with like four or five top guys, yeah. But if he could run a two fifty five in Kona, um, off a, I mean, have a, you know, be off the front, have a sort of, you know, five minute lead on on the main runners, then I think a top ten's pretty pretty doable, and possibly even a top five. But yeah. we've yet to really see him put in consistently good runs. But but in fairness to him, you know, to run a three oh one when he's off a blistering bike ride, and that was obviously his strategy, it was great. But and he still won before. Minutes and you've got to give a bit of love to Tim Burkle. Two forty-four on the run came nice. storming back at him. Uh, still, as you said, five minutes behind, but um, a very impressive run. And Macca, you know, he's validated for Kona now with a with an eight thirty-two. Um, was obviously you know pretty crook earlier in the week. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he's going to rock up to to Kona or not. Mm, time will tell. I've got, uh, to say, got to say, you know. Uh, <clears throat> Good on these guys for t- rocking up because it was bloody good prize money at this race. Uh, well, is it good on them or is it clever? Well, it's clever. Yeah. 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 You're like saying good on them. If it was a good on them to a race that had no money. Oh, yeah. You say good on them, boys, supporting yeah. that a good race. No, I'd say you, you're actually not that smart. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, guys going and doing 
Ironman Australia at Port Macquarie and getting what was it there? I think it was a $25,000 versus uh, Luke McKenzie here. It got 20,000 euros for first place. 20,000 euros? Is yeah. it still playing in euros? It is, which is, I guess they must have signed some multi-year deal with USM when it was going to be a challenge race where prize money was in euros. What if it happened? Like, we don't know, and I know you don't know, but I wonder what happened with the court case. Did the challenge ever actually end up pursuing that? Don't know. Peter Colson, go find <laughs> out for us. Yeah, because... When we spoke to Felix about it, he was pretty keen to, you know, he was a bit mm. annoyed. So, mm. yeah. But I think the contract. Well, well, is Peter Colson our investigative journalist, yeah. is he? Yeah. Okay. I think my understanding is the agreement was probably signed with USM, and USM had then had a contract with Challenge. And so I guess that's why the prize money is still in euros. Um, so, great. 100,000 euros. It's one of the highest paying races around. And uh, so, are you surprised it's not. A better field. Yeah. I mean, it goes out 20,000, 10,000, 6,000, 4,000. So for, um, for sort of fourth or fifth place, you're getting the same as what you'd get at a uh, at one of those sort of third tier Ironman races. So good on the guys that rocked up. Surprised not more did. And what kind of points is in this race? It's a 2,000 pointer. So it's so, not a great points race. No, that's it's good. It's good. It's good. So Luke McKenzie's now probably got enough points to, to go off and qualify for Kona. Good times. So good times. Girl side of things. Girl side of things. Interesting racing. Um, it, it seemed like Gina might have, Gina Crawford was racing, might have thrown her toys out of the cot a little bit because uh, Liz Blatchford was just uh, looked like it was sitting on her all day on the bike ride, just sitting behind her. Um, and Gina, like, there was a couple of posts on there saying Gina was looking around, just waiting for her to come through. And then uh, there was even in the interview with Liz Blatchford after the race, they were running along side by side and chugging along. And apparently Gina said to her, oh, "You take a turn at the front." And so she did, and then she just ran away from her. Oh, really? So um, I've got to say, the times are not exceptional when we, we compare these times to the guys. Well, also, o- when we compare Gina to her normal time, like I know she's gone sub nine, mm. and, and we'd expect Gina to go faster than 313 in a run. Yes. So g- the girls went uh, 919 uh, for Liz Blatchford and 923 for Gina Crawford, and third place was uh, Stephanie Jones in 931. And that's over, they're over an hour behind Luke McKenzie. So, um, John? Yes. I've got a question for you. Okay. If you're in a race and you're in the front and you've got someone sitting behind you who's basically your only competition, you just sit up? Uh, or do you end up pulling through the whole race? Because I can understand if, if, if someone's sitting behind me the whole day, mm. not doing any work, and I'm pulling them through the whole day, I can understand I'd live in a sense of frustration. Oh, yeah, but you just, yeah, yeah I, I'd, um, I'd, I'd probably force the person to come through a little bit. But at the same time, I'd do exactly what Lidge Blatchford did. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, it's, you can't blame Liz. It's, it's a good race strategy. But if I'm in the front and I'm pulling you all day through, I'm sitting up, I'm going to say, hey, mate, well, let's yeah. go slow and these next people will catch us up. Yeah. You know, because right. you're tiring yourself out for their advantage. I mean, people, if you're listening, you know, there's still a significant, you know, advantage if you're sitting seven seven meters behind i don't yeah. know if it was a seven meter rule or a 10 meter rule there's the advantage and uh you do get a bit of aerodynamic advantage but also you know you just got to relax and just got to follow the wheel you don't have to be thinking right i've got to press push the pace i've got to push the pace you just sit there and, and, and it's also there's just an energy you live in when you've got someone behind you isn't it you know mm. like when you're running along or you're racing along on your bike and someone's just sitting behind you consistently and they're not doing anything, it, it almost like they consume your your energy space mm. and your mind space. And so that whole day, you've got that person there and it's almost like I can imagine her tension of frustration was just building. Mm. If this is the case, I don't know the whole story. But um, yeah, I think I, if after a while, I just sit up and say, look, let's get, let's get people to catch us. So 
still, you know, Gina's, um, she's just, she's done a lot of racing already. Mm. You know, she's done, she did Challenge Wanaka, didn't yep. she? She, she did, did New Zealand. Ironman New Zealand. Did and I'm New pretty Zealand? sure did, she did Melbourne. No, Meredith Kessler won New Zealand. Right. And I'm pretty sure she did Melbourne too. I'm almost positive. Yeah, she, but she never got a great race in Melbourne. But that's her fourth um, Ironman so far this year. But a lot of the chicks Ooh. do that, don't they? Yeah. They but that, but anyway, she got second. Good on her. Um, but I don't think that was what her, you her A game. Prize money. 10,000 euros. Wow, that's not bad. Yeah, so I take it. Yeah, smart. I mean, she's 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 doing races with with good money, so um, good on her. Yep. Uh, uh, Stephanie so Jones. Stephanie Jones was third place. From the United States, John. Have we heard of her before? No, but let's. Uh, well done, Steph. Yeah, good work. Nice work. Yeah, third podium. Well done. Yeah. Okay. Next piece of news we've got. Um, this is from our investigative journalist mm-hmm. uh, Peter Coulson, and he's just sent through a really interesting piece from the Bolton News in the UK. Now, Bolton News, if you listen to the show, which I'm sure you do because everyone in the UK listens to the show, don't put us one of those blimmin' pop-up things getting us to sign up for your newsletter on your website. Stupid! It annoys us, doesn't it, John? It does. Bevan wrote an email to Stuff, which is our main one of our main websites in New Zealand, saying, "I'm not happy about this." Well, no, I was I'm more unhappy with them because what they did is they had the ad that yes. the ads on the side of the page, and it just comes and takes over the whole page. And I'm like, look, you're ruining my experience. And I said to them, if you don't stop doing this, I'm going to go off your website. Yeah. And you know what happened, John? Stop doing it. I'm, not, I'm just saying, maybe yes. it was because of my email. Anyway, Jombo, this guy, what's his name? Dave Clamp. Dave Clamp's a bit of a legend, John. Dave Clamp is 54 years old, which, you know, is, is, is kind of in that midway point in life, mm-hmm. assuming he lives to 108. And um, he's, he's done a sub nine Ironman. And he's going for the world record of now. What was it? Eight fifty-three. That is insane. So he, he he's he's even said he's fifty-four, and he's 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 done an eight fifty-eight. Yeah. And, he, and the world record is eight fifty-three. So in July, I think it is. I don't know which race it was. It was it Austria or something? No, he's. I think he's doing it in the UK. I think. Okay, so he's going for the world record for the fast fastest Ironman at fifty-three. It's phenomenal. That is fast. Now, that's phenomenal, John, but that's not what's the phenomenal thing about the story. What good old Mr. Clamp is doing is he's going to go on and he's going to try to complete 30 Ironmen in 30 continuous days. That's pretty crazy. So by the by the looks of things, there's a decker on. Now, he's done the decker. He did the decker Ironman Challenge in 2010, which was in Mexico, and there was 10 Ironmen in 10 days. Now, I can't remember which format they did it then. They do this format where you do one a day. Is it just one a day, is it? Mm-hmm. I always think Actually, the one where you do the continuous swim, the continuous bike, and the continuous runs almost a little bit crazier. I could, I could be wrong there. Yeah, because they do mix and match it, don't mm, they? They do, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, he's done the decker and he got second in 2010. So this time, <clears throat> you know, just because he likes a challenge, he's going to go on and try to do 30 Ironman in 30 days. And Bevan said, oh, we've got to get him on the show. And I said, let's get him on the show if he does this business. That's <laughs> his reward? That's his reward. And uh, we'll get him on the show again if he flipping goes uh, 8.53. And it says he's going to do an iron distance race in Nottingham. So I'm not sure if that's an Iron Man or if it's just an iron distance race. But if he goes... Eight hours fifty-three on a, you know, say say if he was going to do rote or uh, Austria or, or Austria or something like that, it's still an incredible achievement. Oh yeah, but um, I don't <laughs> know if this course in Nottingham how fast it is, but uh, eight fifty-three is smoking. Well, I'm more impressed with thirty. I mean, in thirty days. Uh, I'm actually probably more impressed. Uh, that, that's a crazy thing to do. You just got to chug through that, and uh, not not that it's easy. John, it's not a chug through you, thirty days. Yeah, but, but I. I Oh, we're very, very impressed with both. But if he goes 8.53 at that age on not a crazy fast course, I'd be amazed. Well, maybe we'd be amazed with both, John. Mm, we would. Well, we would be. Because the thing is, 
<clears throat> you look I mean, at those he went to Kona, he, and he did the, the, uh, relative time to that. I'm sure he would smoke everybody in his age group. Yeah, that would be a world record. Of course, yeah. of course he would. <laughs> but the thing is, those decamines are really interesting because what happens is if he's a nine-hour Ironman, he's pretty quick, obviously. Mm. Now, if those decamines, you tend to find what happens is just each day gets slower. Mm. And like the people who aren't that experienced kind of end up pretty much just going non-stop. Mm. Now, with 10 days, it's all good. But when you're doing it for 30 days, mm. you might get to the point where he's just exercising all day long. Could well do. Wow. That'd almost be, I don't know. You almost wonder if that'd be an easier way to do it is just have have really short breaks, have little naps here and there, rather than having try, rather than trying to. They're doing, they're doing it at a golf course, and and they, I don't know what the course is, but the, remember that one they they did in Dika and it was two k swim, four k bike course, and two k run course, and oh. it went continuously the whole time. If that, I, I, I'm really surprised if the run course is even shorter. Sometimes they have like eight hundred meter run course or one k loops on the run. It is ridiculous. It is. Imagine the people at the golf course come on day one. Yeah. <laughs> they, what's this guy doing day 30? This guy's an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, go Mr. Clamp, you rock. We'll get you on the show once you've completed it. Okay then, um, John, there's a little bit of injury happening in our world. Rachel Joyce has got a persistent virus and Leander Cave are both out of challenge rope. That would have been a good, good oh, show. Oh, really? Bugger. Yeah. Feel still strong with Sonia Tysik, uh, Julia Geiger, Caroline Stephanie and Yvonne Van Vleur. Wow, that's almost, that's, that's almost like, it's Kona. Not quite. Not quite, but not. Fa- that's the best race out of Kona. It's not bad. You've got the world champ. You've got the joy senator who's just... Yeah, but they're both out. I know, but I'm saying if they were there, right. yeah. they w- they'd be gutted because that would have been the top female field of the year. Yes. You know, you're giving me nothing, are you? Yeah, you come no, back yeah, from no, holiday. Just, just, I'm just, just having a think there. You've got to throw... Who else you got to throw in there to... Mary Beth. Mary Beth. Bit of uh, Miranda. Miranda. Bit of... Uh, who else was smoking? Probably uh, probably Meredith Kessler these days. Who's the girl who was on the bike who came from behind? Remember, had a really bad swim, but smoked like an animal on the bike. Remember last year? I can't remember. Well, you'd almost have to say, um, who's the older, older one? Who's a legend? Natasha Badman. Yeah, you'd almost say Badman has to be there nowadays. He would. I love Natasha anyway, um I love Natasha Badman because she smiles. She can't understand me when I speak, but she still <laughs> just smiles and goes, yes. Challenge right. Still looking good. Okay, John, ITU update. Chicago is going to host the uh, 2015 ITU World Triathlon Series Grand Final, which is uh, which is good to hear. And they're going to have a round there next year. So good to have a round ne- back in the States. Well, we've already got San Diego, but then the next year there'll be two rounds in the States. That's all good. Good times. And uh, it's a little bit of 70.3. Alexander, Potts, Atkinson and Doherty win some 70.3s. Yeah, so I think probably the inter- probably the most interesting out of those ones was uh, Courtney Atkinson had to hold off a fairly uh, strong run from Brad Carterfelt, who um, but but Courtney Atkinson smoked the bike. Carterfelt ran like a one ten not long ago. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's 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 smoking. He's he's got a bit of a weakness on the bike, uh, but if he can get that sorted out, he could be the business. Is he going to go longer? I'd be surprised if he did. And because he's not such a weapon on the bike, guys like Bevan Doherty, who can uh, hold their own, if not crush people on the bike, but these guys that are fantastic runners uh, sometimes are not amazingly strong on the bike. So I think he'll probably stick to And John, you know, you always say about how the 70.3, I mean, the ITU guys are going to come through after Olympic years and you're going to get those guys starting to dominate our sport. And it's definitely truth to that. But the thing is, is that, you know, sure, you've got the Brownleys and the Gomez, but at the end of the day, a lot of the guys are really just swim runners. With a good bike, but not iron, you know, not 
you know, like as you said, Doherty, Doherty is always the complete athlete. There's a handful, there's a handful that will come through. And, uh, but it seems at the moment they're all sort of just pushing to that 70.3s. Bevan's probably one of the only that's really going uh, going long, um, as opposed to the others are all just sticking to 70.3. You make a good living off the 70, well, you know, relatively good living off the 70.3s and, and race a lot more. So that's one of the things with a lot of these guys is they, they want to race and they want to be racing regularly and they love going hard and they still go pretty hard in the half iron, man. Whereas if you do a full, you've got to scale back the amount of racing you do. Does Doc Eddie still get the sponsorship? Well, he signed up with Specialised, and I'm sure that's worth a good thing. And he's now building quite a strong profile in the States. You know, he's probably, I would be picking, he's probably almost better known in the States now um, since, he's he gone was, long. since he's gone long than he was before the Olympics. I'm sure he'll, he'll be on more covers, there'll be more um, footage of him racing. He's uh, my pick for Kona. So is your pick for Kona? Yep, I'm Good. picking Bevan. Yeah, we'll, we'll go with It's a little that. bit of bias there. Yeah, yeah, shame yeah. about the name. A great name. Well, no, I wasn't even biased with the name. It was just a Kiwi. Mm, yeah, no, we want, we want, we, we need a Kiwi victory. We have never had a Kiwi victory. Well, not on the guy's side. No. Brownie's had a few podiums. Melina? He's a Kiwi? Yeah, token. Well, no, he's a Kiwi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're claiming it. Yeah. <laughs> we've, had, we've had a Kiwi win. <laughs> we have. Do you want to talk about the other thing? No. Nah. Okay. Um, sponsor, John. Coffees of Hawaii. Now, you told me you wanted to pause. Do you want oh, to pause? No, we'll carry on. Okay. We had some, the Coffees of Hawaii was going off and kind Really? They were cranking. Everybody was coming You're in. You know, wide. Rick, Rick, uh, Rick Laird was uh, in Sherry. Oh, was Rick Laird on camp? Yeah, he was there last year. He's, he's like uh, Super Dave and, and for our Kona camps. He does, he does, he's the, the lead support man. Oh, does, really? Does, seriously, does oh, you rock good business. Rick? So he was cranking into the, the Kona coffee every morning and everybody went home with a little uh, little sample pack if they didn't get through it on the weeks. So, and it's at Honolulu Airport on the way home yep. and uh, they had this little demo stand of um, all these things made in Hawaii type things. Coffees of Hawaii was in there. Really? Yeah, it's good hey, to see. like superstars in Hawaii. So... If you want to get in all the promo codes for Coffees of Hawaii, go to imtalk.me, click on the Coffees of Hawaii logo. That'll take you through. It's got all the codes and what have you. And uh, just be a part of the... Did you have different flavours? Uh, we had a couple of different flavours, I think. Um, the one that I'm looking at right now, the 100% Molokai coffee, I'm pretty sure that is the one that all the athletes got. They got a little a little sample bag of, of that. So, Do you know what I think, John? Because you, you and I are fundamentally pretty tight, aren't we? Oh, fundamentally, yeah. Yep, yep, definitely pretty tight. Mm. And, you know, if you go out and you buy a coffee, what, does, what do you pay for a coffee now at a coffee shop? Five bucks. Call it five bucks. Five bucks, John. Ballpark. Five bucks. Mm. If you have a coffee a week, how much is that? Coffee a day. Coffee a day. Yeah. How much? Thirty-five bucks a week. John, you're sharp. Yeah. What about a year? <laughs> Thirty-five. Wait a second. I can probably figure this out. Thousand. About fifteen hundred, sixteen, seventeen hundred bucks. Yeah, about that. So you buy a coffee machine. Mm. You know, you might invest. You know, five bucks, six hundred, seven hundred bucks for a nice coffee machine. Yeah. yeah. And then you buy coffees of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. You, you actually, it's an investment that's saving you money. Oh yeah. I'm hearing you, Bevan. You wake up in the morning. You don't have to go somewhere. Yeah. yeah the, the kitchen at home smells good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And you make your coffee. You make one for your partner so you get into good books. Mm-hmm. It's a win-win, and it costs you far less. Exactly. Get quality coffee. Quality. And the Molokai stuff, is uh, that is where their, their main plantation's based. And, and you, great present. I because mean, we're saving you money. Yourself. You could almost give us commission on that the money you saved. Yeah. yeah. Tell you yeah. what, so white, guys. get Come on there, on. try some of their Molokai stuff, which is where the main plantation's at. Also, packaging is key, and their packaging is very cool. I love yeah. their packaging, all their little sort of fancy stamps on the front. So, uh, Design is awesome. Design is awesome. So get on it, coffeesofhawaii.com. Uh, John, Hawaii. Hawaii. Did we do a discussion of the week last time? Mm. 
Well, we better have a pause on this because we're going to have to go back a long time to find your stupid discussion. No, well, no, it was, no, we don't actually because I do a good job on the website. So if I go to the website right now right. and I go, dub, I am talk.me. I'll race you. Okay. And then go. Okay. And then uh, then you go to discussion of the week and you go, you click here. It, it should a, just take you straight to the discussion. It was several weeks ago. Yeah, see, I'm straight there, John. Because well I do my job well. Well done. Okay, this week's discussion. Bevan wants to get to know you guys a whole lot better. This is a great discussion. Yeah. How many comments did we get? 5,000. See? Look at that. Um, he was wondering if you were to get stuck on a desert island, what would be the four things that you would want to have with you? You can't take people. So, John, do you want to start? Have you found it yet? You, you go for it. You start. Okay. Uh, Jeremy Rimmy, he's got my iPad loaded with MacGyver series and a pocket knife, duct tape, and a boat. A boat's a bit of a cheating. Yeah. Because a boat, you get off the island. Colin Durant, porn, coffee. <laughs> coffee, but make sure it's coffees of Hawaii coffee. A hat. This is honest. A hat and an endless fridge. An endless fridge. Nice. Matthew Jones has got a working airplane. You can't get something to get you off the island. Mm. It defeats the whole purpose of the question. He's got a professional pilot who can fly the plane. Enough food to last a couple of days, travel via plane, put a DVD player for entertainment while on a plane. Michael Walker says coffee. Coffees of Hawaii, of course. Well done, Michael. Plenty of reading material, surfboard, lots of food. Stu Moore's got a good blender. I've got one of those, mate, 69 bucks. An iPhone, a water filter, and a pillow. Luke Spicoli Burns, four cans of Pepsi Max. Pepsi Max? Interesting. He kind of stuffed up there because he just sort of said Pepsi Max because we haven't really said there was a limit on supply, have we? Yes. And he could have three other things. Justin Roll, Dustin Roll, sorry, iPhone. Solar charger for the iPhone, very good point. Uh, every single episode of I Am Talk and Legends of Triathlon, a photo of Bevan and Coach John. <laughs> it's always, he's got all the things that make me happy in life. Peter Mills has been thinking about it. A water purifier. Nice. Fishing rod, a knife, and of course porn. So he really has been thinking about it. <laughs> We're a family show, guys. Remember the young girl we met in Hawaii? She might be yeah. listening to this right now. Well, there's other families as well. One of the, uh, Mike Pizzle, who was on the, the camp, he listens to the show with his kids in the car. Oh, How you doing, Mike? Turn it off now. Yeah. Turn it off now. Uh, Dylan Evanson, my house. You used to take your house? Well, yeah. that's pretty, eh? Didn't say limits. Yeah. Uh, fully stocked with grocery store, a bike shop, and a functional power grid. Nice. Uh, I'll do one more. There's so many, isn't there, John? Glenn Skimmer, a winery, a restaurant, a generator, and a banana lounge. Okay, I'm going to go one more as well. And I'll go Katie Joyce. And she's got sunscreen. Katie Joyce, sister of Rachel Joyce. Oh, she is too. Yeah. Uh, sunscreen, endless supply of coffees, macaroons, iPod with never ending battery. Nice. Katie, she was lovely girl, wasn't she? Did a bit of dancing with Katie. Yeah, we, rocked it on a, we rocked it on a dance floor, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. We rocked it last year on a dance floor, too, didn't we? Wasn't so good last year. You didn't get as drunk as last year, did you? No. Yeah, you're always quite entertaining when you're drunk. <laughs> I like you when you're drunk. You're just, you know, you're, Rest of the time. <laughs> you're a pain in the butt, but yeah. when you're drunk. <laughs> um, okay, so this week's discussion, I really don't think we can top it, but let's see, we have a look. Good old Dave Hayward sent this one through, and he's got question of the week, possibly. I was looking at the results from a 70.3, and did I did it over the weekend. I noticed a guy in my age group that was 57. What was that? Hopefully it was uh, the, not the garage door hitting my car. Hopefully not. Um, had a 57-minute swim and a 3.30 bike ride. Both times were seconds with uh, with seconds to last in his age group out of 22. Then his run split of 115. 
That seems pretty fast, especially when you consider age group winner did it with 135 and the overall winner did a 129. It seems very like, whoa, something's good. I think the wars just started, John. Well, I, I did ask if my car was parked in the appropriate position. Which garage did you go in front of? The little one down the bottom. Oh, not that one. No, you're right, you tool. <laughs> it seems very likely uh, that this guy ran uh, one of two laps of the course. There was no timing met to st- at the start of the second lap, so it's very possible. What would you do? Report it to the race director, call for an investigation, ignore it compl- uh, uh, because it doesn't really change your time, call USADA. USADA. USADA and have the guy banned for life. Clearly, he had to be doping if he ran that fast. By the way, uh, so basically, he's, the question is, you look at the race results post-race. And they're clearly, something's, you'd be pretty pretty confident they're wrong. But you do get the odd person who's just a freak of nature runner. You do, you know, you do. That was the cat that time. Okay. It wasn't the war hasn't started. Yes. Um, but you do get the occasional runner, you get someone who has a pretty average swim average and then does like a sub three marathon. Yes. But like you often get the fastest runner in an Ironman is an mm-hmm. age grouper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so that may happen. But he's saying, if you think it's clear something's gone wrong, what do you do? Do you report it? Do you call for an investigation? Or do you just ignore it? Or do you call USADA and get the band, guy banned yeah, for life? Obviously. By the way, it's, uh, as it stands, his time places in ninth in the age group. So it's not like we're looking at someone being bumped off the podium. Mm. Just curious. So what would you do? That's this week's question. There you go. Yep. John, sponsor. Athlinks.com. What, what are you doing? You're looking deep in thought. I'm uh, just looking at the time, making sure we're on, we're on, two minutes. on, on target. Yep. And uh, what are you doing? There you go. Right. Athlinks.com. We want everybody to join up to our, um, our I Am Talk race team on Athlinks. Oh, we're up to 99 club members. I've done it. Good, so have I. And uh, the reason we want to do that is then we can go around races and say which I Am Talk athlete did, did the best at particular races. So I'm going to pull up uh, Bustleton 70.3 Ironman. We had three athletes racing there. Brett Johnson took the line honours ahead of Michael Parrott and Nice, this is, this is good. So these are all I Am Talk listeners. Nice. And then, uh, the more people we can get to join up to this, there's a lot of races here with one or two athletes in it. Let's have a look at, uh, oh, are my results. I wonder if my results in the I Man 70.3. Oh, I haven't claimed my result yet. You then, would have won, John. Well, Mark Geergagen and uh, Mark bloody, I, I, I'm sure I'm pronouncing your your surname wrong there, and I apologise about that, but he bloody well outran me. And he's over, he's over 50, Bevan. See, example of someone who maybe, maybe, maybe didn't go over the timing meet. Peter McLeod was also in there, and I'm going to go and claim my results right now. So I'm going to add that to results. How did Peter McLeod go? Peter McLeod just missed out on uh, getting a Kona slot. Oh, has, has he raced there before? I know uh, he's been there because he was there the year we were there. He, um, and he won like the VIP pass. Did he? Yeah, I remember he did the fundraising for, because he's, he's a wicked fundraiser for New Zealand, and he always wins the biggest fundraiser. No, you're thinking of somebody else. Peter McLeod, Daddy, uh, Daddy Death? No, no, that's, um, that's, uh, that, that's different Peter. can't remember Peter's surname, but it was Peter McLeod was on the camp. Oh. Um, and Peter got fourth in his age group, and uh, there was only one slot, and it didn't roll down. But oh. uh, well, I've got to add my name to that. So what we want to basically do is, is go onto Athlinks, join up to our I Am Talk uh, race team sort of club, and then we can compare results. And uh, the more people that join up, it could be quite cool when we come to some of the bigger Ironman races, seeing who's who's signed up and uh, do a bit of smackdown talk. Mark, I'm going to take you down in Kona next year in that run. I think you will. It was one of my goals to race to make sure I didn't get outrun by him. And I did have a pretty reasonable run, but he still outran Is he me. a pretty good runner, is he? 
Well, he he's in Albert's. He was in Albert's age group. And, yeah, no, Mark. Mark's and, a good man. And he went sub three, I think. Did he uh, do the camp? Always no, no, he was over there racing. Saw him after the race, and uh, I thought he retired. Well, he's not doing Kona this year, and he was one of the he didn't do it last year reasons why um, Murray, the Holy Hammer Lapworth, got a slot because Mark is in the same age group, fifty fifty four. Uh, didn't take a slot, so it rolled down. Next guy didn't take. How it, happy so was Murray? Murray was pretty excited. Was he? Yep. It's pretty cool. Yeah, so it is pretty cool. Murray, Murray's been in sport for years, mm. you know, and it's really cool when you see someone like Murray, who, who was always there or thereabouts. You mm. know, if he could have that good performance, he was going to get there. And it's um, it's really cool to see a guy like that get yeah. the reward. And you know, like Mark, Mark, guys, Mark, he's won, he's won his age group in Kona. Mark's oh, yeah. a legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mate, good guy, eh? Well, yes, he gave us some good shopping advice. Um, final race, race to look at is seventy point three St George. The first I am talk female listener was Barbara Nielsen in six sixteen. Then Brian Dunn took it out from Tim Perkin and Sydney Zven on the uh, on the guy side of things. Nice work. Nice work, John. So check it out, athlinks.com. Join up to the I am talk race team. Okay, John, let's do age group work. I think we've got time. We've got time? We've got eight minutes. Sounds good. Okay, I'll, do you want music? Uh, yeah, let me hear the music then. Okay, here's the music. Sorry, that was my fault. You didn't give me a lead in. Yeah, because normally I point the finger at John. Yeah. I wait, and I just, you know, and that time I, just, I got a bit excited. Good. Because it's been a while, and I was just yes. a bit excited, and so I thought, well. Okay, good old Stefan uh, Dooney sent through this week's age group, and he says, just want to give a bit of love, but first of all, a nomination for age group of the week. Age group of the week, Steve Fitzgerald, a good friend with a lot going for him in his life at the moment. Here's a guy that puts big hours in at work found himself a Canadian finance uh, fiancé 12 or so months ago and his wedding scheduled two months time in Canada and also ended up on a 10-day, four-day on roster for his mining job flying in and out of central Queensland. Pretty busy life for him. At the Noosa Triathlon in 2012, I planted the seed. I convinced him to enter Ironman Australia six, in six months' time. It took about four or five weeks of constant banter to get him on board. He came up with every excuse in the book not to enter, but I just told him it would be a lot better to train along with a mate than to do it with solo at some point in the future. Secretly, I needed someone to train with to keep me honest too. Told him he would probably have kids soon and he should just man up and get it done. If he didn't do it now with his great opportunity it may never be done where am I um, the training was a bit of a struggle to fit in around everything but he trained as much as he could around his life he did crazy 338 M sessions. That is madness. That is madness. He wrote, I was pretty proud of getting up at five this morning. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he rode in the pouring rain. He rode until he couldn't feel his main man bits anymore. He rode on the wind trainer when he couldn't ride anymore else, anywhere else. He rode and even rode some more. Oh, yeah. Then he swam and ran too. He did a few long rides and run together. And with about four weeks to go, he was thanking me for convincing him. He hired some serious wheels for his decade-old giant and threw down a great swimming bike on the day. He came off the bike with 10 minutes up on me, um, but with a back that was killing him. I also don't think he listened to enough podcasts about pacing on the bike. Well, there's something in there, isn't there, John? Uh, the run was ugly and he was disappointed but, uh, with his time, but because he had to walk chunks, but he got across the line in 11.40. I think anyone who does an Ironman deserves respect, so good on you, mate. Be proud. Balance it up with all those other things you have 
uh, that have not been so easy. A true Ironman, kudos. So. Well done. Bloody good to see people, busy lives, getting this John, shit there sorted. is that thing, you know, in this, in this kind of – there's one real key thing here is that sometimes you've got to grab that opportunity when it's there. Mm. You know, like Stefan was probably right to go to him and say, look, mate, your life's about to change. Mm. You know, once you get married, you've you're got screwed. <laughs> you're screwed. <laughs> that was John's opinion. Uh-huh. I'm the one who's not married here, so is that, is that uh, what happens? It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Just to give up now. But your life is about to change. It was funny. So I wrote my book last week, and mm-hmm. I'll tell you guys about that later in the week, but I looked at my next – I really wanted to get it done this year and I looked at my next five months and I've got a lot of work coming. I've got a trip to America and, and I just didn't see my book getting done. And then I just saw, you know what, there's a week where there's an opportunity. And you went carpe diem. I seized the day, John. Yeah. I did. And the good thing was that I went to my partner, Joe, and I said, look, I want to do this. And she was like, go for it. And so – but sometimes you, you do get an opportunity and you get a gap. Mm. And if you don't grab that opportunity – after the fact, you may regret that. Oh, yeah. You know, and so for good old Steve, you know, it was good that Stephen kind of gave him a bit of a push. Now, obviously, his run wasn't what he wanted, but, you know, like, who knows if you ever get an opportunity to do an Ironman again, and it's something that you'll keep with you for the rest of your life. And doing that 10-day-on, four-day-off roster, probably pretty tricky, I'd imagine. You get four days of good training, but 10 days of bugger all, I'd imagine. And I imagine, like, when the people do those kind of crazy work schedules, mm. They, they work long hours on those days they work, don't mm, they? Mm. You're kind of like, you, you, you work when you work, and then you, you bugger off. I had a mate when I was younger who went and worked in the, on the boats. Yeah. He'd go yep, and work yep. on the boat for like three months. Yeah. And this is when we're like 19. And mm. he'd come home, and he'd be three months on the boat, and then you get a month off mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. And he'd come home with like 30 grand. Yeah. No, no lies. Yeah, he came yeah. home, he'd spend it all in a month. He was the best guy to hang out with because he just partied like oh, you wouldn't yeah. He did it for like about three years, and he came home. Seriously, he just would he would he'd hire a hotel because yeah. he didn't have a home, mm. and he just party like you wouldn't believe. And he, and he and he got to the end of it, and he had nothing. Like he didn't have say for a house or anything, but he didn't regret it. He was like, you know what? I've got some wicked stories. <laughs> yeah, so, good times. Yeah, good times. I'm pretty sure Steve's not doing that. No, Stefan also said he's a uh, bit of love for the show. Did Busso 18 months ago? Fell in a giant hole in the run. Looking back, I made lots of rookie mistakes. And As we uh, all do. and he said he's just learned heaps from the show. Training strategies, testing sessions from Gordo, open water sessions, nutrition strategies, especially electrolyte intake. Did you take an electrolyte? Uh, I did. Yep. Um, John. Yeah. So we've got Steve on the show. He's going to listen to this. He's going, he doesn't even listen to me. It's a, a general chit-chat to keep me motivated. And uh, he's also given some love to the sponsors too. So, cool. Thanks, Stefan. And well done to... Steve Fitzgerald, you are a age, age group of the, of the week. week. Love your work. Okay, John, we're going to do an interview, so we're going to pause right now. Okay, we're back, and we've just had an interview with Paul Larson. And John, I actually think we should just put it straight on. Go for it. Paul Larson, give a bit of history. Who is Paul Larson, John? Paul Larson's, uh, well, I do that in intro on the, on the way. Uh, and when, when do you? Are you sure you did this I'm time? I'm sure I did. Yep, so here comes Paul. Oh, we'll find out in a bit. One second, here we go, here's Paul. Right, um, back on the show is uh, Mr. Popular with all the sports nutrition companies. Uh, yep, the, Especially you. the electrolyzer. He's, he's making millions. <laughs> um, we've got Paul Larson back on the show. So he's a sport physiologist uh, for High Performance Sport New Zealand, sub 10-hour Ironman athlete himself. And, uh, and app creator. Of Never Bonk. Never Bonk. So welcome back to the show, Paul. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me back. So as people know, I've just got back from Kona and loving this uh, hot, humid conditions we're having down here in Christchurch today with uh, about 20 metres visibility out the windows. Um, but 
in Kona, we obviously experienced some pretty full-on conditions and in terms of the heat, and we're just going to go through some of that with, with Paul today. So, Paul, um, you know, Obviously, when we go over to, to hot conditions, um, we find things uh, a little bit more tricky, and um, you know, heart rate goes up, um, just perceived effort sometimes goes up. So, can you sort of tell us what's actually going on and inside our bodies when we're going to a hot climate and we're trying to actually execute a similar pace and or similar power to what we do in our sort of normal environment? Yeah, uh, yeah, I will. Uh, the the main the main thing is well, yeah you you in those hot environments well it, actually anytime when we exercise we get hot and uh, just to I guess just to begin uh, we have to kind of know why we're actually getting hot and um, I guess when we have to remember that when we exercise it's it's not that uh, efficient of a process. It's, it, we're actually quite inefficient in our, um, I guess, our, our, our heat transfer or our, um, our conversion of, of energy from uh, the, the chemical energy from the foodstuffs that we eat over to the mechanical energy that propels us forward. And they say that we're around 20 to 25 percent uh, or efficient. Mm-hmm. And that means that seventy five percent is is actually going towards heat production. And that gives us our our warm blooded features. And um, we're sitting here listening to this talk. The reason why you're warm is because of that inefficient process. Mm-hmm. So that's a good thing um, right here and, and now. But when you go to the hot environments, it's not such a good thing because, of course, your exercise intensity um, s- uh, speeds up, and um, you're turning over a lot more foodstuffs a lot quicker, and you're producing a lot more more heat. So now, um, I guess, uh, John, you just went to Kona, mm-hmm. and you felt that that uh, hot, those hot and humid conditions. Well, now this, um, the situation is that you've got a, a reduced ability to actually lose that heat to the environment. We say there's a lower thermal gradient between us and the environment, and both the the so both the high temperatures and the humidity cause that, and we start to build up heat in our body. Um, and those humid environments are particularly challenging because that high humidity means that we've got um, a reduced ability to actually convert the sweat f- um, from our skin uh, into water vapor, into the environment. And that's, uh, of course, the process of evaporation. And that's, that's our primary m- uh, means of cooling ourselves when we, when we exercise in, um, when we're exercising pretty much all, all the time. So because of that reduced ability to get rid of that, that, um, that sweat and evaporate it into the air, we, we start to really gain that heat. Uh, and you can actually only gain so much heat before it's not that good on your, your, your health and, um, and even for survival. So uh, you're sitting here, normal core temperatures sitting around 37 degrees Celsius. Um, if you're listening to this when you're exercising on your, on your wind trainer, um, you, know, you might be around 38, 38 and a half degrees Celsius. And they say the upper tolerable limits is around 39 to 40 and a half degrees Celsius. And that's usually where we'll see individuals actually stop exercise. Their brain just does not allow them to go any further. And that's because there's, there's trouble that's beyond that temperature. Um, the actual protein that you're made up of in your body will actually start to unravel mm-hmm. um, at, uh, at 30, 43 degrees Celsius. Um, cell death, organ failure, um, and death. It's, so, it's such a small variance, isn't it? 
It's really small, yeah. Um, you know, we it's uh, it's it's it doesn't really take that um, that much of greater of an increase, and you're going to be in a lot of trouble. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a real fine uh, fine bandwidth that that uh, temp- core temperature kind of stays in. Yeah. But so that, that being said, though, it's it's pretty hard to go out and actually kill yourself in a race, isn't it? Because your body just yeah, your doesn't body. allow you to do it. Your mind with sort of like safety nets around it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, absolutely, and, and and thank thank goodness for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'd be in, we you know, there'd be a lot more, a lot more, um, yeah, issues with uh, med- you know, there's enough med- medical problems as there is at Ironmans, but but yeah, that's um, yeah, that's that's a good thing that we we just yeah we 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 usually will tend to survive these sorts of things um, because our brain allows us to do that. So. Uh, um, I guess one of the things that you know I experienced over in, in Kona and, and a lot of people have as well is is your heart rate obviously goes up and and if you go over there unacclimatized and you you try to go at the same pace or the same power as you would in and say a more moderate climate like New Zealand then you're going to get yourself into a bit of bit of bother so should people be concerned um, when when their heart rate's higher in a hot climate um, they're still say say for example you go right I'm going to go ride Ironman and I'm going to hold two watts um, but yet when you go over there your 200 watts is at you know say seven beats per minute higher than what you were when you're back home should people um, should that be a concern for people should they stick to their power should they stick more to their heart rate how do you sort of um, change your your ex- exercise intensity for, for heat yeah you, you you probably want to go more on feel and heart rate as opposed to power um, and that's because the whole the whole situation just changes when you go into a hot environment, because again the the importance of the of getting rid of that heat now you know it, it goes higher up the scale. So now we've got to divert a little bit more uh, a little bit more blood uh, to the skin, and that um, that blood is now not available to go to your working muscles. So the heart has to beat faster to, uh, to enable that. So, so yeah, you, you need to you really need to listen to what your brain's telling you, and um, you probably don't necessarily want to. Um, at least when you first get over um, to a hot environment, you want to go more on feel and heart rate as opposed to the the power output variable. Otherwise, you, you know your heart rate's just going to continue to rise, and um, yeah, you know fatigue is is going to ensue. Mm. But yeah, but there's there's you know there's there are things that you know, heat acclimation is going to, you know, that, that process is actually going to allow you to, to accomplish that a little bit, um, a little bit better. You'll, you know, I'm sure you, you might've seen that John when you, you know, over the first, uh, first couple days, almost that, uh, got better and better, you know, each, each day. I'm yeah, yeah, sure. yep. No, certainly. But and, and I'm going to actually go into that on next week's show as um, perhaps some alternative tapering strategies um, for for going over to Kona for, for Kiwis because I've got a few ideas around that, and uh, maybe you can listen to that and give me some feedback next next week. Um, um, but yeah, so, so but, but once we're, we're acclimatised and, and say for us when we were on camp, you know, we'd been there for for a week. Um, I, I think it's fair to say that for, certainly for the biking within a week that I felt that um, I could go at normal intensity on the bike and, and heart rate seemed to have settled. Different different story on the run. Um, but what you're sort of saying is once you're, you're acclimatised, you should hopefully be able to, to go at similar sort of efforts to, to, to what you're used to. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yes, yes, and no. I mean, you've there, you've, you've always um, so there's still always going to be that 
uh, added sweat rate issue. So mm-hmm. you're, you're getting rid of water a, a lot quicker. And therefore, um, you're, you know, you're still going to, you know, you're going to be dehydrating and heart rate's going to be higher. And also, again, that skin blood flow is going to be higher as well. So there is going to be less blood to, to, to go to the working muscles. Mm. So um, I think you, you need to expect that, that power is going to be a little bit less than, than it is in a cool climate. Mm-hmm. But again, there's, um, you know, there's, there's things that you can do with respect to um, you know, heat acclimating and, and drinking cool fluids and whatnot that, um, that can assist to... To, to you know have have the degree of of increase in heart rate and not not as bad. Um, but, yeah. How do you gauge that, Paul? Because like if you're let's say you're a real kind of disciplined to power in your training and you work out your watts and you know where you sit within you know just different zones, you know then you go to a heat you know a hot environment and you you realise there's going to be a bit of compromise on power. But you know how do you find that sweet spot of dropping enough that it's not going to affect you, but not dropping too much so that you aren't you know hurting your performance. Yeah, I think it's actually it's knowing those um, threshold zones. Um, you know, they say it's called your first ventilatory threshold, uh, and the heart rate that's associated that one, or your aerobic threshold. And that's that's typically the um, that's typically the heart rate that you'll see Ironman guys sitting at for you know their their whole entire entire race. That will be you know that's that tends to doesn't fluctuate too too much. Um, you know, it's sitting usually around that. Um, you know, 75, 80% of heart rate max. And, um, they, they just, you know, they sit on that and they hold that, um, for that, that long period of time. And, um, yeah, I, I think that that's, you know, if you, if you know the band that you want to, you want to hit for that race and you go in by feel, um, then that's, that's probably, you know, power is going to be what it's going to be. But I think if you're, if you're listening to your body, um, and, and hitting that, and you're within that band. You're using the, I guess, both your power and your heart rate as a as a sort of a system check. And then if it kind of matches what the feel is, and you know, you're always asking yourself, you know, can I, you know, can I, am I going to be holding this, um, this heart rate uh, or, or this power output, you know, an hour from now? And you know, am I going to be able to run off the bike at this pace? Um, you know, you, you're always kind of, you know, running that feedback loop with your body and and all the the variables that you've got in front of you there. I think that's that's pretty much what you what you what you need to do. Cool. So we're going to go into a couple of um, areas where people can sort of help themselves um, in terms of racing in hot conditions. The first one is is um, getting acclimated and uh, getting used to the the temperatures. So what's your your sort of general guidelines um, if people are going to to a hotter climate on on how long they should be there and and what they could be doing when they get there to to acclimatize. Sure, sure. So we'll we'll start with um, start with heat acclimation, I guess, um, and that means yeah. So heat acclimation or acclimatization means actually showing up at your event or in that area ahead of time to allow your body to make a bunch of different adaptations that are going to make it easier for you to exercise in the heat. And they say about the probably about the minimum you can get away with is is four days, and an optimal time is probably can considered to be more like around ten days or or even longer if you can afford it. Mm. And as you spend uh, a, a cumulative days in the heat for each consecutive day that that you're out there training, your both your heart rate and your core temperature tends to be a little bit lower for a given exercise intensity, uh, and your your sweat rate is actually higher as well. Um, and one of the the main things going on inside of your body to cause that to occur is that there's a rise in the water portion of your blood 
and that's that's called your plasma volume. So exercise winds up feeling easier, and you perform a, you perform better after a number of days in the heat, and um, it's a lot more like where you came from in your um, in your cooler uh, temperate climate, mm-hmm. and and yeah, you're able to hold those um, those hold those power outputs a little bit better than uh, when you first first arrived there. So. A, a question a lot of people ask when they go to these hot climates is um, whether or not they should have their air conditioning on or not. Um, do you have an opinion, a strong opinion on that? Um, it's 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 mixed. I think um, you know there's there's different people that have done different things. I don't think it, there's there's data that that actually says you should necessarily do one thing or the or the other. I, I think we know that um, in terms of like like what you're doing during your day, you're probably like the process of actually being hot itself, so just actually having that hotter core temperature, internal core temperature, is the main stimulus that's going to be creating those those heat adaptations inside of you. So it, it does stand to reason that you'd probably want to keep those up for a fairly long time. Mm. So I would, um, if I were a betting man, if there was a, you know, a, there might be a small benefit of actually keeping your core temperature higher or actually not running your air conditioning during the day. Mm. Um, however, that, that said, at night, it, uh, we, we do recommend that you, that, you, that you turn your air conditioning on mm. um, and, and sleep in the air conditioning in the cooler environment because now, you, now the sleep is the important yeah, thing for, for the yeah. whole recovery. Yeah. So I think, yes, yeah, something, something like that. Um, yeah. And, and you know, practicality and common sense always wind, you know, yeah. they always win out if you're absolutely flogged after a massive day you want to bring your core temperature down and uh you know you know being in an air conditioned um r- you know room is is going to f- uh, help to facilitate that but also you know if it's if, maybe if it's a lighter session and you're not that not that phased by it then you know keeping that keeping that heat uh, up there would be not not a bad thing so that's sort of the acclimatization side of things and, and as I said I'm going to go into some uh, some alternative strategies for tapering uh, next week when if, if Kiwis are going to, to Kona and we can we can discuss that more at a, a later date but look one of the things that we wanted to talk today is, is about a, a product you've got coming out called Flow Bottle and we'll go into that in a moment but um, really noticeable thing for me in Kona this year um, probably even more so than last year was uh, the influence of taking in cold fluids when I was out, um, especially on the bike, because it's a very much a bike-dominated camp, but I remember extremely clearly on day one, which uh, was biking the Ironman course, is uh, is when I got a cold fluid into me, into me it was not only you know, incredibly refreshing, but immediately my power output went up, not just a little bit, but quite significantly, and I could get it back up to where I was was hoping I, I would have it when I was doing a fairly long sort of stretch at, at a reasonable pace. So it was it was that firstly that that feeling, God, it was great to have a cold cold drink, but also um, secondly my my performance went went through the roof. So can you maybe explain a bit about um, you know the taking in you know the, the cold fluids and what's sort of going on in, inside our body when we do that and then we can sort of move on to you know the flow bottle and, and things like that afterwards sure sure so so of course your listeners have probably all heard before that we're we're 60 percent made of water so we're uh you know ultimately we're higher. Water. <laughs> so there you go <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it varies but it's you know it's it's around that um yeah it's around that uh, i think you know probably 60 to 70 percent water it is it's in that ballpark yep. but, uh, yeah so we're we are uh we're a water bath um <laughs> And anything small that you can do to keep your own water bath below that 
39 degrees Celsius, which is really that you know might be around that critical temperature. That's that's going to be um, you know conducive to to uh, bettering your performance. It's going to be a good thing. So there's yeah there's a number number of things that researchers and and practitioners have found out that you can you can do to lower your 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 body temperature your bath temperature before exercise, and um, so you know um, you can dip in a cold water bath, you could hang out in an, an air conditioned room, you could wear an ice jacket, you and and the other neat one is you can drink cold fluids, um, and so all of these methods have shown some you know various uh, degrees of positive effect in terms of bettering exercise performance and they all tend to to work by increasing the amount of heat that you can store in your body because um, you've lowered your 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 bath temperature ultimately your own internal one mm. um, and yeah and one of the most practical ones is is um, consuming ice slushy concoctions so I probably need to c- tell you a little bit about you know, ice ice slushy itself. Mm, mm. Um, so ice slushy is is um, we're talking here about a um, you know half uh, ice particles and and half fluid. You know, it's all and it's all sitting around you know minus one degrees Celsius. This is like a you know like you, like you'd get at your uh, a Slurpee in Seven Eleven or your convenience store mm. or whatnot. Mm. That's what we're talking about here. And that's um, there's a a really big advantage to slushy that the researchers have found over the last last little while, and that's that um, we have to introduce a, a large scientific term called the enthalpy of fusion, <laughs> and basically that basically that that means that you can get a, um, um, a significant cooling advantage from your drink if a portion of it is in that ice slushy formation, and the enthalpy of refusion refers to the added heat energy required to convert those solid ice particles into the the, the liquid water as they warm up. And um, you know, uh, match the temperature of your of your of your body, and that conf- um, it's actually the conversion and reconfiguration of the crystalline structures of the of the water molecules um, that takes added heat energy to to um, to turn them into liquid um, particles or liquid um, formation, and that takes the heat energy away from you, which is obviously a good thing if you're overheating in the lava fields of Kona. Mm. So, yeah, I'll just, uh, I guess in, in terms of, in, in physiological terms, that means that if we're consuming the same half liter of ice slushy compared to water, we're going to get an added um, 0.5 degrees Celsius uh, additional cooling of, of your core, be- core body temperature. Um, and again, um, you know, as Bevan said, that's, uh, it's a real narrow uh, bandwidth in that core temperature um, uh, realm. And so 0.5 is quite significant. And it's not just, um, the other cool thing is, that we found in our studies, it's not just the core temperature drop that's important, but it's where specifically you're you're actually um, reaching that um, that temperature, that local um, temperature drop, and that's both the gut uh, and around probably around the brain temperature, around because you're you're taking it at your at your mouth, and that's probably even more important because that's that um, you know that brain's the one that's telling you um, whether you, you know, whether you can go forward yet or not. And just, just like John was saying, you know, as soon as he had that cold fluid that was in the, in his mouth and, and taken in, you know, almost instantly his power is able to go back up and, and he's, and he's feeling strong all of a sudden. And, um, yeah, that's, I guess, I think it's, um, just almost this anticipatory, anticipatory response from the brain to say, um, you know what, arrival of cool fluids, feeling good and, and you're cooling the places that matter most to allow you to, to push that power out. So, so, so the slushy, what you're saying, is, is quite significantly better than, uh, than just taking in cold fluids. 
It is, yeah. Um, it's um, in terms of the actual cooling effect that you're going to have, uh, and where it matters, you get a, a notable, um, you know, significant increase in the um, uh, the cooling, or significant decrease in the in the cooling around those those centers. And yeah, there's a there's a there's a bunch of studies showing this now that that ice slushy is superior to than than the um, than the fluid. Uh, you know, just liquid water at a, almost a comparable temperature, but just in the fact that it's in that part, part of it's in that crystalline structure, um, and that um, yeah, that betters the cooling efficiency of of taking that substance in as opposed to just just the fluids. Well, there you go, John. Um, so I guess people are wondering how the hell do you make a slushy, and uh, and I was thinking that initially myself, but. Um, but it's, I, we had our blender challenge a couple of weeks ago that most people found pretty entertaining. Yep. And uh, thankfully, Victorious in my, <laughs> <I'll claim. laughs> thankfully in my condo in, uh, in Kona, they had this uh, shitty-ass little blender there. And um, all I did was, and you can tell me if I'm doing this right, Paul, was uh, was just ch- chucked ice in there, a um, little bit of water, and then just put my um, sports drink I was using, Infinite, just um, plonked that in there and basically made it made it out of that. Is, that. is there any particular method you should be making your slush or, or how you should be concocting it out of sports drinks or, or what you should be using? Yeah, that, that's, that's about perfect. It's, um, so it's, we've worked it out. It's around 60% ice or ice cubes, ice particles or shaved ice. Whatever, um, you know, I, we found that um, ice shavers work really well. Mm. Um, you know, wasn't really familiar with those, um, but only in the last little while have come into, um, come, yeah, to the forefront. But yeah, about 60% of it ice and 40% uh, the balance water. And, um, and then in terms of your, um, you know, what percentage of, of sugar, um, you, you probably want it, you're probably aiming for around, um, you know, it's, it's just to almost to taste. It's whatever, whatever you want. But you do, I should say, you do want to have a little bit of sugar in there. Um, uh, you know, electrolyte. Mm. Um, you know, take take your pick, whatever um, whatever brand you 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 like. Mm. But um, the reason the, for that actually in there, I haven't mentioned yet, is that it, it actually forms a bit of an antifreeze and allows the the ice particles to um, float around the water molecules, and it doesn't it it, it prevents the actual um, congealing of um, I guess the, the the ice all you know all in all in little balls and stuff. It actually keeps it in a in a, uh, it's what's called a slurry format. Mm. So um, yeah, the the carb or electrolyte in that drink is is important too. So aim for anywhere from four to you know ten percent ten percent carbohydrate, and that's um, yeah a good a, um, yeah a good brew. What about in regards to the melt factor? You know, like if you're thinking you're in a place like Hakona, um, you can make this thing at the beginning of the day, but once you get on your bike, it's probably melted right down. Like, how do you, how do you cue Paul? Cue the cue the flow. Bottle. It was almost like a like, great leading question, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so tell basically tell us about the flow bottle and, and how that works. Sure. So um, yeah. So so flow bottle is it's um it's it's pretty unique and it's um it's a bottle that actually allows the um, um, allows you to actually get slushy uh, when you're actually exercising, mm. and that's um, that's what's novel. You haven't, you know, we've uh, we we haven't had that before in the past, and um, I guess I've had the idea for for a while. Um, ever since these ice slushy uh, ice slushy research studies were coming out, but there, you know, I kept looking for something on the market, uh, a water bottle that could actually, you know, had a wider spout, and there was nothing out there. Um, for me to be able to get ice slushy during exercise, 
And I was really fortunate to come across um, this uh, another fellow uh, Ironman triathlete in the uh, North Shore of Auckland region. His name's uh, Graham Brewster, and he's he's the designer and engineer um, of uh, of Flow Bottle. And um, yeah, Flow Bottles it's got a it's got a couple of unique features you, you just won't find in other bottles. Um, it's the first thing you'll you'll notice it, it's not made of plastic, but it's actually made of a double layer of silicone for for insulation. And that and that allows the the user to squeeze that slushy out easier. Um, but probably as you know, as as I alluded to, the the most innovative feature is the the wide spout diameter uh, and sealing features that uh, provide a, a geometry that allows that slushy to flow from the bottle without getting stuck. Mm-hmm. And you, and you just can't find that in any other bottle on the market today. And that's why the whole bo- the bottle as a whole is is actually um, is it's patented. So, so it's basically got a, a cavity on the inside of it where your sushi actually goes. You, you pull out and, and and clean and what what have you. Does that sort of layer between the bottle and the cavity actually create part of the the cooling effect that keeps it in sushi format, or is that just the way it is? Absolutely. So that's that's one one of the features in is that um, yeah it, it provides another uh, an air barrier between the between the two. So there. Um, so that it actually uh, assists with the insulation, um, and but one, one of the other neat neat things that we've um, discovered after make after the fact of making this is if you're looking for a little bit more volume of ice slushy during, you could go without that um, that little internal layer too. Mm-hmm. So it's um, there's there's kind of there's options for you. You're looking for a little bit more um, you know time in terms of the insulation time, or you're looking for a little bit more volume, um, and you can I guess you can almost mix and match. Um, with those two things, what what is the capacity of it? Because um, I mean, I've been using it, but but what is the capacity and how much um, slushy or, or fluid, I guess, you actually can get in there? Yeah, actually, that's uh, one I'm not not ready for actually. But the, I think it's around, <laughs> I think it's around uh, yeah, 650 mils with the um, with the bladder out, and then yeah. around 550 mils with the with the bladder in. So thereabouts. I'm not okay. not sure on the precise it, measurements. How long will a slushy last in a race? Like before it does just become water? I know it yeah. depends on temperature, but you know, let's say in, in a pretty hot race. Yeah, it to- it totally depends on the temperature. Unfortunately, I I wish I could you know I could give you a an, an absolute, but um, look, it's it, it 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 totally depends on the ambient temperature. If it's going to be forty degrees in blazing sun, it's pretty tough to find anything at the moment mm-hmm. that's that's mm-hmm. able to to handle that. But um, look, we it's uh, you know around in twenty five degrees, it'll last up to three hours. Um, you know, around if it's thirty degrees, you're, you're more around the one and a, one to one and a half hours. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, if it's if it's forty degrees and uh, it's direct heat. It's probably going to still be slushy in around you know uh, forty five minutes or so. So one of the things I I, I was trying to trial it in Kona, but I was um, I was pretty busy keeping my, my hands clean with all other other sorts of things. But one thing that you recommended doing, and I partially did this, was uh, to actually freeze the slushy, and then uh, when you actually go out training, it defrosts, but it actually stays in slushy format. Now I didn't get it to to hundred percent freeze, but I got it probably about halfway there, and I and I found that that significantly improved the length of time that it um that it stayed slushy. Yeah, awesome. It, it's uh, it, it's one of the real neat uh, uh, discoveries that we've made when we're going through all the testing uh, of the of the flow bottle. Um, and uh, yeah, shout out to uh, to um, one of my master's students, um, Emil Schultz from uh, from the Netherlands, who, who discovered this. But when he when he actually um, put uh, ice slushy into um, into the bottle and then freeze it, 
you can it, it'll actually when it once it melts again it actually it actually comes out as you notice John mm. in in uh, ice slushy format again and I guess it's it's maybe the fact that you've you've blended it and you've got um, you know the maybe the air molecules between those um, those particles that are in there uh, we're not sure why but it's um, but it, it's a great it's a great discovery and it really gives the uh, you know a lot more options for the the Ironman athlete you know and with all of the you know, you know all the holsters that uh, Ironman guys have on their bikes these days. You know, you, know, you see, uh, you know, five units on there. Well, you could have, you know, different ice slushy bottles um, at different temperatures. You know, kind of to to time it just when you when you need it. Um, so it's um, yeah, really uh, that feature. Um, and that discovery is really going to add options for the Ironman mm. athlete. Well, one question we got here is. Um Oh, hold on, before we go there, uh, if people want to check out the Flow Bottle, go to f- flow, F-L-O-E, bottle.com and you can check that out. And I'll put a link to that on www.imtalk.me. It's only like 30 bucks for the bottle, so it's really reasonably priced, so check it out, guys. Um, pouring water over your head, cold water over your head, what, what just your thoughts on that? And that Definitely, yeah. That, that sort of came from me more, more so on the run, is, is when you do that, you obviously you feel a hell of a lot better, but I remember reading, and I don't know whether this is a myth or not, that it's actually not doing you any good to do that. It's sort of tricking your brain into thinking you're cool, but you're not actually. So I was really interested to know if, if that's a, a good thing to be doing, is trying to externally cool your body more so on the run, um, as opposed to, um, I don't know, take, taking things orally. Yeah. No, absolutely. When that's um, yeah, I would highly recommend it. It's the same reason for why the ice slushy works, and that's because the it's where the ice slushy goes. If you're cooling, it's your, remember it's your brain that's getting too hot, um, that's not allowing you to push out the power or running speed. So anything you can do to keep your brain, your head cool, is going to be a good thing. So I would say like you know putting ice cubes. One of the things I do in in hot hot Ironman races, I'm putting ice cubes in um, in my cap, and I'm putting those on my head, and just letting them melt on the top of my uh, my head as I you know continue to run. I put them definitely, yes, yeah. as well when I used to do it. Nice, nice. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and then the heat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and the ice the ice slushy is, is just a, it works in the same way. So if you're you're cooling the regions around your brain by taking an ice slushy, uh, and again that just you know you, and you can feel it as soon as you take it in. It's just like oh. Um, yeah, I'm I'm feeling better, and I'm and you're able to push out the power. And the last one is um, actually uh, Rob Creasy, uh, uh, HP uh, high performance triathlete, and uh, de- you know really good Ironman guy. He I remember reading his uh, his blog on his um, his Kona experience, and he was he had bleeding gums. I don't want to encourage this, but he had bleeding gums from from crunching and chewing ice throughout the the. Um, the lava fields when he was uh, in Kona there, and I, because he he knew the exact benefits of um, of the ice slushy, so he was he was making his own ice slushy as he went through the um, through the Ironman course. So quite um, quite novel. <laughs> Get the bottle; it's a lot easier. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's, there's certainly some practice. I mean, I'm trying to think through how I'm going to go for my strategy, and uh, you know, I'm thinking of, of potentially freezing. Freezing a, a flow bottle and having it in um, in special needs, both on the um, the bike and the run. So it is, there is practicalities. It's not going, you know, if you if you take a flow bottle onto the the bike for the Ironman course and you think you're going to have that, you know, three and a half hours into the ride, it's it's it may well still be cool, but it won't be in that slushy format. So I guess mm. everybody's got to figure out, um, you know, for, for their sort of climate, what's going to work best. But I guess my, one of my final questions is: is say we're racing Ironman New Zealand or or a slightly more moderate climate Ironman race. Um, 
Um, how beneficial is it? Is it still really beneficial to, to be taking in cool fluids and, and or slushies or whatever um, when you're racing in, say, 20 to 25 degrees as opposed to 30 to 35? Or maybe even a little bit lower, 15 yeah. to 30, you know, 25? Yeah. No, it's, um, that's, it is very much a, a heat-specific um, tool. No, no question about that. So when you're, um, you know, 25 starting to get a little bit warmer, you're getting into the region where it's, you know, start to, you're going to start to see small effects. But um, uh, yeah, and, and actually, you know, everything kind of beyond 25, and that's that's typically when we're racing in the, you know, in mm. the summertime. But but yeah, when we're going below that, um, if it's a cool race, it's not going to be your your secret weapon. Um, you know, just uh, uh, cool fluids is going to be good enough. Cool, nice. So. Um, uh, Bevan's just been scanning through your website as we've been talking, so um, flowbottle.com. Um, yeah, but it, a, it is really reasonably priced, guys. Like, you know, for if you're in the States, it's only $25. New Zealand's only like 30 So you, you, it's a pretty reasonable price point for what you're getting. So, you know, I'll put a link to that on www.imtalk.me, but their website is flow, F-L-O-E, bottle.com. But you've also got a whole bunch of, uh, of sort of research if people want to find out a bit more about what's going on. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a pretty involved um, science page, which is actually showing the um, I guess the science of what's going on around the brain when you ingest ice slushy locally. And then there's all the um, the research yeah. articles um, that have come out in the last. Really, it's 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 only been the last two two to three years that this has really taken off. You can see there's about uh, twelve research um, mm. you know, uh, high high impact research studies that are down there, and and more coming out. Um, and there's even one specific one. Just uh, yeah, shout out to another uh, Ironman triathlon coach actually in, uh, in Newcastle. Uh, Chris Stevens just did uh, did one there in in uh, in triathletes in uh, looking at Olympic distance triathlon performance. And when they ingested ice slushy during the bike phase, the 40k bike bike phase, um, their their uh, 10k run performance was improved by um, by more more than a minute or three percent. Mm-hmm. So, I wonder yeah. if eventually at races they'll have you know water stations or if they'll have slushy stations. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you never know. You but never know. I guess the thing with the bottle is it's it's very hard to 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 drink a slushy out of a cup. No, I know, I know. But I, you know, imagine if you went to Kona and they had slushy bottles there for mm. you know, like you know, there's a business opportunity. There we go. Paul, business yeah. opportunity. <laughs> so we're we're, we're like building it. your empire. Like it. <laughs> Any, Thanks, guys. Anything else happening in your world, Paul? No, just um, well, uh, you know, I, everyone's uh, going overseas in um, in high performance sports. All my uh, all my various physiologists and whatnot and. All the all the teams and whatnot that we support, and um, so lots going on there. Um, but but no, that's uh, yeah, that's you know business as usual. Just ticking over, ticking over, nice ticking work. Over. Uh, well, we better let you get get on with some work. And um, thanks again for your time. I remember yeah, mate, last time you were on, we had some uh, some good feedback and interesting feedback around uh, electrolyte intake, and it's been been all good and quite thought provoking. So thanks, yeah, mate, we love your intelligence. It's great. Thanks so much for your time. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me on. Awesome, mate. Thank you. Jumbo, your thoughts? It's all good stuff. Um, as I said um, during the interview, we've just I've still got a, I was doing a bit of trial and error over in Kona. So, well, one lesson I think you, we talked post interview with Paul for a second, and I think one thing you've got to become really good is prep. Yes, I did. You lacked a bit of prep in oh, Kona. Oh, I did. I was I was just a tad busy, and um, and the secret in Kona is you really need to. 
get it frozen um, because it's just so bloody hot over there and it, and it will defrost uh, you know, relatively quickly. But when I had it frozen, um, it was all good. But I still think for me, you know, I'm not going to be able to carry um, five of those things out on, on the bike course. Uh, I, I'll certainly be looking at putting it into my special needs bag, freezing it, putting it inside a, um, a sort of a chiller bag inside my special needs for both the run and for the bike and uh, and that's what I've got to trial out and, and making sure that it's going to be you know at least a little bit defrosted by the time I get it um, because geez man seriously I mean I'm just getting the cold fluids and I've got to give big ups for the uh, the 70.30 race over there on the bike course out there um, they were handing out cold bottles of water on the bike oh great it was bliss man because yeah, they were crappy bottles so ups and then downs they were just these flimsy bottles but you know you just grab a bottle at every aid station they had I think five aid stations on the bike grab the bottle chop about half of it pour the other half over your head and it was awesome well, yeah, yeah, great. So, you know, the, what's really interesting is the science is saying this stuff works. And, you know, for a lot of people, you're going to be racing in some pretty hot clients. So you, you know, you think of people who live in a place like Australia, mm. where summer long, you know, in your training, you're going to be in hot climates all the time. And so, mm. sure, you get conditioned to that. But, you know, if you can use these things to your advantage, you're basically you're going to train better, which is going to equal better performance. Exactly. So, good times. Something else that will give you better performance. Tell me about it, John. Extreme oh, endurance. look at that. And I can't remember how I came across this. I was going to use it a couple of weeks ago. Um, but it's somewhere on the on the site. You've got a uh, some, some little, little testimonials and it said, I was sceptical of your claims at first. Well, I think a lot of people are. <laughs> and this comes from uh, Derek Murray, who used to live in Christchurch. Oh, and, really? Uh, Ex-endurance. used to be uh, a triathlete over here, and, and now he does a bit more mountain biking. I was sceptical of your claims at first. However, after four weeks on, I must admit that I'm really noticing the difference. I'm recovering better and faster. I have a, uh, have a lower feeling of fatigue on long rides and long runs. Tempo sets feel great, and I'm loving training. Again, bringing on the 2013 season the extra two exterior races and the 200k mountain bike races all aiming towards qualifying for Maui. Thanks for making an old man feel like racing again from Derek Murray. That Josh, where was that? Where's on the website? Well, it's on the link on that show notes page. Oh, okay. So I think this is just... Yeah, especially the guys in Kona um, this year we, we gave them all a little sample pack and quite a few of the guys on the camp have been using it for, for quite some time and certainly noticed uh, after the race it was not that same level of fatigue going through the through the week I was certainly making that was one thing that I did prioritize very highly was uh, that I was taking in my I was taking in four tablets in the morning four tablets in the evening and certainly did not have have sore legs during the week so uh, pretty thrilled about it all so check it out xendurance.com use the code IMTalk5 I think it's still valid it gives you five bucks off your uh, off your order Keep I'll keep going because Bevan's yawning oh it's a big yawn and too. Derek, Derek Murray is looking very stylish in he his, does look cool on his bike in, doesn't he in his New Zealand sort of uh, is he representing yeah. the country I don't know he's, he's actually is it pretty sharp I'm pretty, pretty sure Derek's a Pom that's maybe lived a bit in Canada and maybe and he lived here in Christchurch for quite a while and then Do he I know lived, Derek? no you wouldn't have met Derek he moved away quite a while ago oh, okay so uh, so yeah check it out xendurance.com if Derek's using it it must be good it must be it good. must be good xendurance guys get it out you know cheapest everyone we always get great feedback about this product so check 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 it out okay John questions and answers I don't need to give you it then no. I didn't, I didn't give you the finger. See it coming. You just you felt it. We've got this. Don and I have this energy between us. We speak on another level. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, shut up. Shut know. up, and let's just get on with these questions. <laughs> so, so what John did is he basically went on Facebook a few days ago and said, 
you got any questions for me about my Kona experience? Mm. And uh, and basically, he's got about 10 here. So okay, I'll go through them pretty quick. Okay, so I'll ask the question yep. and you answer it. First of all, Tim E, Egg with e. an E? I'd say, yep. yep. Egg with an E, that's where you'd always go. Egg no, but it's an e. e at the end. I know. Yeah. Like I'm Newsom without an E. Okay, nice. Yeah. Uh, well, you think yeah, Tim always says that, Egg with an E. Yeah. But people go, well, it starts with E. What kind of gains can you expect to do from your drink? Do you expect to get from your camp? Uh, so I guess there's two angles to this. There's one for people like me. Um, it gives me a really nice boost in my cycling performance. You know, I chug along with my steady steady weeks and then boom, hit it with a camp and uh, and that really takes me to, to the next level. So that's one type of athlete where, where camps like Epic work. The other is if you listen to some of the interviews last week and I remember specifically Mike Pizzle, he's getting lots of mentions today um, for, for people like that doing these camps that they wake up each day and thinking holy shit am I going to be able to do this yeah. and so the men, for, for those people yeah there's obviously the physiological gains but probably they gain more actually by the mental side of it and actually getting up each day and uh, and still being able to do it so so two two different camps there Okay, have you set a goal for doing your Ironman World Champs next year? And also, was it hard to turn down your qualifying spot? Which I'm going to say, I'm going to answer this for you. No, John's never emotional about this stuff. Yeah, that was, uh, so, so I'll answer the second part. Uh, yeah, there was, I had no questions in my mind about taking the slot. Lots of people asked me that, and I was like, Yeah, but no. the thing is, a lot of people are in that place where they've never been there. Yeah, and I think that's for me, and this isn't trying to be arrogant or big headed. You know, you can get there. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, something's got to go pretty badly wrong for me not to qualify. Um, and you, you could have a bad race and turn up to another race and do it. Mm. Whereas, look, like a Murray Latworth, mm. you know, if, if that's the first time he's got that opportunity, he's going to be jumping on that. Totally. Yeah. And having set the goal, yeah, yeah. So basically, there was no questions about me taking the slot this year. So, what about Goal. Uh, he says having set the goal for doing Oh, okay, okay. So. Kevin Birch, um, at what point in the race did you overtake Peter Reed and how did it feel? Peter Jacobs. Oh, Peter, Peter Jacobs, Jacobs, sorry. Well, because I'm thinking back, because yeah, you beat all the Peters, that's yeah. the problem. I can't actually remember that clearly, and I wasn't. A lot of people have asked me about, well, you suck to beat him. I was like, well, if he'd actually raced well and I'd beaten him, then yeah, no, he'd, so he'd, he'd have crapped out. I'm pretty sure I must have passed him on the bike. I saw him coming down from Harvey and uh, still had quite a bit of lead, but I think he biked really poorly. And he, he, I think he ran uh, a couple of minutes quicker than me, so I must have passed him somewhere on the bike, but I wasn't. I didn't go, hey, Pete, suck on that one, big boy. <laughs> uh, I think I just rode past, past him. Yeah, McNaughton, um, I noticed in the pictures John posted, he's wearing the normal bike helmet on the right. Actually, I've got to make a comment on your pictures. A bit of fashion boo-ha. Uh, uh, wait a second. You, uh, we normally have it on the bike. Is this a real to deal with the temperature as Christy does? Or was taking a road, road uh, basically was it the only option? So there's two, again, there's, have you farted again? No, I haven't actually. Oh. <laughs> Seriously, I haven't. Okay. okay no, no, we wouldn't deny it. <laughs> so there's, there's two answers to this side of things. Um, first one is I've got an extraordinarily big head and finding a helmet <laughs> that fits me you've is, a, big head? is re- a real challenge. So A, um, have you got a big head? I have. Oh. So in the moment I don't have a bike helmet sponsor. So there's my plug there. Oh, is, okay. uh, I, need, one, I, I need to get an aero helmet. And, uh, and but if you've got so, a big head, how, how do you get well, a big So there's only limited models that, uh, that, I, can, that I can use. The big so head models. If anybody out there, if you work for a bike company that does good helmets and you know, a models. bit of an opportunity I can plug the crap out of you on this show um, so, <laughs> so, this. so I need to get an Aero helmet and I need a new Apple computer Apple yes <laughs> or Google Google listeners get me an Android phone yeah. those new Samsungs go. I'd go over to, I'd, I'd just go to the dark side for you cool John yep just just on this comment I checked your photos yeah good photo who took photos uh, are you talking the whole bunch that I put yeah, up yeah Facebook that I bought those ones did you buy them well I needed some good bike photos and I thought 
I hate paying for things. How I much did you have to pay? Uh, I think it was 54 bucks, and there was a lot of pictures. Yep. Uh, and they, they were they pretty were good, good pictures. Yes. Yep. They were good, except for your run photos. Yeah, what was with the red hat? Oh, the red hat was great. No, John, no. So Red it, hat was good if you were wearing a red and black outfit, but with the Iron Talk one piece, which you were looking sharp in, yeah. although I have to say, look at a little bit of shoulder movement happening in your running technique. Well, just, I'll, I'll take my run split yeah. with a bit but of shoulder anyway, movement. But anyway... The red hat wasn't it? The red hat was great. No, so there was there was no. a moment of weakness before the race. I was like, oh, no, actually, I didn't, I didn't get very well organized. I really wanted to run the cap. I never run cap, so I get a very hot hair. Visor? Uh, yeah, but I wanted to have a hat that I could put, as Paul ice was in. saying, that I could put ice in. And so literally when I was going to check in my bag for the um, – because for, for, it was a split transition, you had to check in your run gear the day before. Went in, got the cap from uh, from Bikeworks, and it was a bloody good cap actually, and really enjoyed it. I don't give a toss about the colour. But well, for, you've stepped up because your old hat, which we, which you threw away, yeah, was a bit poor. This yeah. is a step up, but it's, it's not the wrong with the cap. Colour coordination, John. Okay, I'll work on it. The Iron Talk is blue, white, and black. It's cool. It was pretty easy to see me coming though in the red cap. Well, I, I don't, I don't yeah. doubt that. Yeah. <laughs> That's like Rudolph on the head. Yeah. Uh, Lee Spoiler has got um, has Pete Jacobs become the new Peter Reed? No. No, <laughs> we're not going to be out here about for years. So because Peter Reed was he was he was racing, racing. pretty well, and, yeah. and and I I feel like I beat him. Yeah. Whereas Pete Jacobs had was just day. had yeah. a bad day. Uh, Mark Thatcher, uh, given how well how many how well many campers did, what does this tell us about the need or not to taper? I'm going to go into that next week um, because. I'm, just, I'm going to do a coach's corner on on tapering and Kona and some some different strategies. If how well did all the campers do? They did pretty well. Like nobody did exceptionally, but given the week that we had, yeah, pretty well. Yeah, pretty okay. well. Uh, we've got Paul Cunningham, and he's got what sort of taper and recovery? Oh, so you're going to go again next week? Would you permit for the biggest gains from a five day camp? Yeah, I'll go and take next week. Well, why did you put these questions here? Well. You just copy and paste it, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I did. Um, Rob um, Eplin, would you ever do a super light camp for someone like me where you get to lie on the beach in Hawaii and have drinks and beer all day? And my lovely wife, who doesn't no longer has a Facebook profile, decided to reply to Rob on the uh, on, on Facebook. Facebook? Uh, she just got sick of it. And just yeah, but then she goes on yours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. then get her own Facebook profile. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, anyway, she it. replied for me. How often does she go on it? Uh, pretty regularly. Yes, <laughs> And she replied to Rob and said, that sounds like the, the WAGS camp, which uh, Jen what's fills the, I wife, don't know what WAGS is. Wives and girlfriends. Oh, that's right. So that sounds like the WAGS camp, which is basically what they did. They arrived uh, in Kona a couple of days before the, or a day before the race and they lay by the pool drinking uh, drinking cocktails. I and, heard they yeah. drank quite a few cocktails one night. They did drink quite a few cocktails uh, one yeah. night. John had a computer issue, didn't you, John? Yes. <laughs> Julian Stockwell, he's got, um, John, your camp seemed to all be very bike-centric. Is there a reason for this? And also, what percentage of time, kilometre on the bike versus run and swim would you advise for a five-day camp? Uh, the reason they're very bike-orientated is because, well, there's a few reasons. Firstly, most people struggle to get enough bike volume in in their regular seven-day week, so it's a bit of a boost for your bike. Secondly, if you try to do uh, lots of hard. run training, it's just going to smash your legs, and the, the risk of injury is quite high, and you just can't do as much. So you've got all day to train, so let's let's get biking. Uh, in terms of doing uh, for a five-day camp, I'd pretty much follow what or something similar to what we do, but if, if I was just going to do a five-day camp at home by myself or with a small group of people, I would generally go swim 45 minutes a, a day, bike, four hours and maybe run 30 to 60 minutes and I'd some sort of semi 
keep around that. that yeah, yeah but, but very much bike orientated if you're going into a camp situation because you can just do crap loads of biking it's relatively safe pretty low injury risk and um risk and you, factor you, and the gains for the, in comparison to risk yeah and you've got all day to do it okay that's the end of those questions we've got a question here from adam how does that one coolerus Collegious. Can't remember if you've ever mentioned it or not, but Maka has a podcast that he does with his um, coach, MG. You know who's MG? Uh, Mick Gilbert. Mick Gilbert. I've actually listened to it. Have you listened to it? I've listened to it once or twice, yep. Yeah. I don't really listen to other triathlon podcasts, to be honest, but uh, he made mention of you a couple of boys a couple of times. Having just listened to the most recent podcast, I thought it would be good if John could explain the story of smashing his finger in France with Mecca and the guys in 1998. So, so I had a, I had a quick listen to this the other day and because um, somebody sent through the exact time when it is and I sort of mm. had a little listen in there and the question was for Mecca, um, yeah, what's the hardest training session you've, you, or hardest training sessions you've ever done? And they sort of got onto this whole... Um, back, in the day. back in the day in France and I, and I remember it pretty well in 1998 uh, Macca did come up to where we were staying in France we had Crowey who was there and Craig Watson who was a Kiwi Olympian was, was in town at the same time and um, what we did on first day is uh, we did 100 100s in the pool and we did uh, that was on Quite a fast time. Oh, yeah. So it? it's 20 on 130, 20 on 125, 20 on 120, 20 on 125, and 20 on 130. Wow, what and was those 120 like? Uh, there wasn't a lot of rest going on. Wow, and um, you're making the times? Just. But, wow. and, and this is me. I'm like a, a third or fourth tier sort of pro, not really a pro. And, well, and they, pro. these guys are, are pretty solid. So they, they were still working fairly hard. And then uh, I was just, just having holding on for dear peace. Because how long does that set take? It's not actually that long because you're going at a pretty good pace. And we, yeah. we had a very short break every 20. Every 20th one we did backstroke and then we had like a little uh, little, seconds off <coughs> little um, couple of little lollies on the side of the pool and then somebody spilt the bloody bag of lollies in the pool and we're all diving <laughs> down the bottom picking lollies off the pool. <laughs> and Macca's story was they did uh, must have done it another time and they did 100 100s one day and then they did the same session the next day. But when, when I was there we did the 100 100s and then the next day we actually did 16 400s um, I think we did them on 5.30 and did quite a few of them pull and that was a pretty solid. I had a bit of a sore elbow after that day after two big Because that must be the risk factor. Yeah, it is, but it's yeah, you're young and dumb yeah, and yeah, full of, of you know what. Yeah. Um, but then on that, that then on that same day, the day we did the sixteen four hundreds, we were biking from from Malouse, which is where we stayed, up to Girardmere, which is where they have this amazing race, and everybody wanted to come out training with Macca, so we're riding along all these local Frenchies and riding along a bike path, and there was a pole in the middle of the bike path. Each person progressively missed that pole by less <laughs> and less. I was towards the back and clipped it with my hand, just holding my brake levers, and my finger basically went to right angles Ooh. and then Crowey had to try to because uh, he's a physio. a physio had to try yeah. to put it back in and he tried so he just to, clicked it in he tried to he didn't really know what he was doing uh, and I think he's actually practiced a single day as being a physio <laughs> in his life and he clicked it in and we heard a little snap and my finger broke it wasn't pretty Ooh. how long does it take to recover I think I was, was about that a good mega painful f- well, it was I'd only just arrived and, and I think I was out for about four weeks and then I started racing with a with a splint on my hand and uh, didn't do that well. How much did it hurt? Was that the most painful thing you've ever experienced? No, I can't remember. I, I don't actually remember being that bad. I've managed to bike to the hospital. Well, no, I can't actually remember what happened, but it was, it was pretty painful. Mm. So okay, thanks, thanks um, to Macca for giving us a plug out. Um, Jeff Savage, Jeff Savage is, uh, just got, he actually hooked us up for Peter Reid for the Legends of Triathlon. He, he did. did. And just, it's just got a quick thing. He's basically working with Ironman Foundation and... Uh, 
and if he, he's got a fundraising gig going on that we'll put a link onto our site and it's, but what's cool is the Ironman Foundation is going to d- double every dollar he fundraises nice and so he's going like I want to maximise this he's, his goal is to reach a thousand dollars and uh, and he's just wondering if we could put that out there for the community it's, it's a website that's a big website so I'll put a link to that on www.imtalk.me and maybe even check it on our Facebook page and if you guys just want to go check it to a few dollars his way it's going to a great cause it's basically going to help um, leaving Kona in a better place after Ironman Oh, really? Kokoa. Kokui? Yeah. We hope to leave the world a better place. It's a pretty yeah. ambitious goal. It is. How do you measure that, I wonder? Are we I'm leaving sure the world a better place? I'm sure there's some matrix we can use, Bevan. Are we using the world a better place? Well, of course we are. We are. I don't think I am. I try. Go hard. Go hard at it. Anyway, John, um, sponsor. Oh, where are we up to, Bevan? We're up to SLS Try, John. SLS Try. Now, when I travelled over to Kona, um, coming back, I wasn't quite so concerned because uh, done dusted with the race, but going over with the SLS socks the whole way. And it's oh, quite, did you? And it's quite a... Um, it's, decent, it's, not, it's not a Europe sort of trip for us, but for, for us travelling from Christchurch, it's, it's almost a 24-hour trip from door to door. In terms of leaving home, we have a, uh, a flight. To, I, went, I went to Sydney, which is about a three-and-a-half-hour flight, and then we had uh, about a ten-and-a-half-hour flight or so to Honolulu, and then another hour-and-a-half, no, then another 50-minute flight over to, to Kona. So it's a, it's a fair amount of climbing, uh, flying. And had the SLS socks on the whole way, I had zero cankles when I arrived. So we talked. You really? We had zero. Zero cankles. Wow, because I suffer from cankles. Yeah, and and so we often talk about the you know the all the lovely Drinking. SLS training gear and uh, and racing gear, the IM Talk gear, but um, the John, socks. John, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm looking at your Facebook because I'm checking out the SLS suit. <laughs> that red cap does not work. You, you, Come you on, admit it. Look at it. You, you try to go, scan through my photos, try to find the, maybe not those ones, but when I'm running um, out of the energy lab and I've got some real good clashes going on there. Oh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really on the bike, clashes. you look cool. Cause yeah. You look, yeah, that, that SLS tri suit's awesome. Mm. But then when you put the red cap on, oh, yeah, there's some great shots. Uh, oh, you've got the hairy chest coming out. <laughs> the funny part about that was... Uh, as Belinda and Jen were out watching on the course and, and I knew exactly, I told them exactly where they should be for the best viewing opportunities. Whenever they came, whenever I came to that op- place, uh, I zipped up for those photos, <laughs> but I didn't spot the photographer at all places. But I've got to tell you. You don't know they're happy when you cross the line. Is there anything I'd say? Uh, or maybe they just got you after the moment. Yeah, no, yeah. Just, 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 you know. see, this is the problem. So that, that's one of the problems when they're taking these post-finish shots and, and Phil had a, a similar one as well, is if they take it that, Instant, you've just gone over yeah, the just line. Relieved, isn't you're it? just like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Um, but if you took it, you know, two seconds before, just before you crossed the line, then you've got the fist pump. And I did a little fist pump when I came yeah. across. Um, so that was uh, the photographer. They should also spot. have signs saying "Smile now." Yes, you know, yeah, because you do photos. Um, but what was I saying? Um, um, you were talking about um, the socks on the plane. Yeah, but there was something else no I kangles? was talking about. No, the zip, zipping up and down. Oh. Significant well, you, 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 I, I, didn't, I forgot how hairy your chest was. Significant cooling effect um, when you unzip. So I, I spend most of the week, and I was just about the only one, that unzips the full zip bike jersey. Another reason why you should always go full zip yep. on the bike. Significant cooling effect. When I zipped up again, I was like, holy crap, I'm getting hot. Same thing with the SLS tri suit. Had the half zip down. I had that down pretty much all the race except for photo opportunities. <laughs> and when you I, did it pretty well, really, because there's only two kind of hairy shots. Yeah, and when I zipped it back up, it's going, oh, it's a little bit hotter now. John, I will say, the numbering's pretty cool because it's got the white and the black. 
new tattoos. I should, if I took my top off, not that I'm going to for you, is it's so the tattoo system. So you have this, instead of having the numbers sunburnt into you, you now have a full strip sunburnt. So you've got this sort of rectangular Also, it's a whole box. strip of, and you, and you like lick it on like the kids do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It actually yeah. works very, very well. That's well, cool. And uh, some people- It has a sponsor up top, does it? Yeah, I think it did. Yeah. Com- comes off relatively easy. You get a bit of soap in there, a bit of a bit of a flannel, and it actually comes off quite easily. Yeah, it looks cool. So it's all good. Yeah. Um, so let's try. Check it out. I'm going to go. I'm going to. I'm, I'm going to the states in August, mm-hmm. and I had an upgrade, so I'm going premium economy. Have you uh, done that? Phil came back premium economy for. Um, is it good? Kona. I think it is pretty good. You get yeah. your, you get your all your different courses coming out and stuff. Because yeah. I need to do a business. I was hoping yeah. my upgrade was business, but it didn't. Mm. Look at it with that, to be honest. Mm. But premium economy, so. And nice. I'll get some miscellaneous socks and whatever. Definitely. I always get kinkles. Oh, you got to go Seriously, my, my ankles are bigger than my calves. Yeah. I don't have the biggest calves in Italy, but still. Yeah. You know, so, so check it out, com. If you're going to get any gear off there, use the code IAMTALK. They have got all the, uh, as Bevan said, if you want to check out my race pictures, you'll get to see the, the SLS try. Oh, it's awesome. It's a in, cool uh, suit. In action. And it is, uh, it's good. Just don't buy recap. It's the key message. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only choice. Okay, guys. Sponsors. SLSTry.com. Get the, get the gear. Athlinks.com. Tell everyone how great you are. Join our club. Coffees of Hawaii. Um, coffees of Hawaii. Um, 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 save money. And extreme endurance. And get faster. John, what's your goss? What's birthday goss? today? B- Tommy's birthday today. Birthday. Is there a birthday cake? Uh, no, he's going to have his birthday party on Sunday. How many kids? Uh, I need just uh, like six. We're going to the Antarctic Centre. So oh, that's nice. Take them out. Don't have yeah. to miss your house. Yeah, exactly. And had a week off training after the race. Did about. Is a, it quite nice? Yeah, it was quite good. We were, we were travelling, so it was all good. So it wasn't like I was like sitting nothing? at home. Nothing. Zero days. I did uh, on Tuesday. I went down to the pool at Manalani for a. Uh, I think I swam about thirty minutes just because my back was getting pretty tight. And then on Sunday I did a twenty-five minute run, and that was it. So that was that was that week. Started I did zero back, week last week as well. Then started back into it uh, last night. So this week's going to be unstructured. Then from next week, I'm back on it. Back and Goss, on it. Any, anything else happening? Uh, no, there's some pretty pretty hard partying after the race. But any good stories? Can we, can we tell any no, stories? No, we cannot Goes tell any stories. Uh, if anybody's interested in the camp for next year, you need to get off your little hiney and get signed up because it's going to fill up very, very quick. I think I've already got 15 places almost taken. What's, what's be, the maximum? Uh, 22, I think I'll probably oh, take. Oh, so it's going to sell out soon? Yes. But so. you have a backup? Surely uh, some I'll, I'll take a little, a couple extra because people will will pull out. But it's um, yeah, if people want to get on it, I have the logistics all sorted pretty soon, and we're going to be going doing a loop of the island, so it's going to be pretty cool going around Hilo and stuff, uh, coming back oh, up the, the big other island, side. The whole loop, is yep, it? basically doing oh. the Ultraman course. Um, and and does it take? Is it going to be the whole seven days, or you spend a couple of days somewhere? And uh, then so we'll still do first couple of days. We'll be in Kona to bike the Ironman course on day one, just because that's what we that's so tradition. Yep. Uh, have another day in, in in town to do the swim the course and then run out from Energy Lab, and that was a really good run this year out of Energy Lab. And then we will bike. Are you allowed to go in here? Yep, you can. It's only race day they close it. Oh, okay. And then third day we'll be biking from Kona to Hilo, uh, which is 200Ks, big day. Uh, next day we stay in Hilo, so two days in Hilo, do a nice little loop, and then we go Hilo to Manalani, stay three nights in Manalani, and that includes the, the race. So it's all looking good. be the first week of June next year. Yeah, Bevan? You have a goss. You, uh, you just gave a plug, really. But yeah, I did. <laughs> uh, no, we just had a bloody... It, if, if, if you're out there and you've got young kids and your relationship is, uh, you just don't have any me time in terms of your relationship. No, John, you're quite us time in a relationship. Us time then. <laughs> I tell you what, 
good for a relationship, isn't it? Is bloody brilliant. I, so I reckon even just like it's hard when you've got kids, I know, but if you can get away every two months for a weekend away with your partner, it's one of the, I think it's the healthiest thing you can do for a relationship. Oh yeah. We had fantastic times. You just reconnect, don't you? Yep, no kiddies, just chilling out. Manalani was fantastic for just relaxing. Ocean, we had a sixth floor, oceanfront view. Mm. It was pretty good. Manalani, guys, check it out. There's another plug for you. Mm. Hey? You never got nothing else? No. Uh, had a nice day in... in, uh, in Your phone's ringing. Whose phone is it? Whose phone is it? it must be yours because mine's not ringing. Mine's not ringing? Sorry, people, that's... Uh, it was. It was your text message. <laughs> text message. Um, had a day in Honolulu. That was pretty cool. You weren't doing shopping. Uh, went to Alamoana for a quick little shop. Bought a pair of shorts and a couple other bits and pieces. Uh, got got the hire car too. <laughs> got the hire car and had that we we got one of the little Garmin thingies yep, yep, um, for yep. directions. GPS. Yep. And <laughs> we couldn't. Figure, we were trying to figure out how to work it. It, it did a tour guide. We, we, we were oh, driving okay. around so, so that was kind of cool but when you drove back to the hotel about five times and it told you about the statue that was oh, outside the hotel five times over it was pretty frustrating uh, and so we did a loop of the island that was pretty cool had a, a, went down all the surf beaches on the north shore down Sunset and Pipeline and Waimea and all those sort of places oh, cool. had a swim at, uh, at Sunset Beach looped, looped back over the hill and uh, it was all good went walked down Jukes to Jukes a really cool place on Waikiki Beach and had uh, cocktails there. Belinda got ID'd. And oh, she would have been <laughs> loving that, John. And so it was pretty funny. And she t- she says, Oh, you're telling everybody that story, but it was it was kind of funny. They said, Right, um, have you got any ID? And she said, No, I haven't. And they sort of did, oh, sorry, I can't serve you. They're, they're being really strict about it. Fair enough. She didn't have any ID. And so did you buy one for her? And so no, so then they got the somebody over, a supervisor, a supervisor couldn't authorize it, got the manager over it, and he said, So what's your date of birth? And uh, she said, Whatever. And then she said, And how old are you? What is your date of birth? Uh, 28th of June, 76. Nice. How old are you? 36. Um, so why haven't you got any ID? And she said, Because I'm 36. <laughs> <laughs> they said, "Oh, you don't look 36," and so it was all a bit of a joke. And, and but she didn't end up getting served. Oh, they're good. very strict over there. So if you Kiwis, if you're travelling over there and you're anything under 40, I'd suggest carrying your ID. Wow, that is crazy. I don't drink, so it's not a problem. Yes, uh, Bevan, what's happening in your world? You finished your book. And, I did finish uh, my book. That's pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool because it's that whole one of those things. Don't die off the music in you, John. Right. Don't yeah. die with the music in yeah. you. And I like that saying because it's kind of like there's many things in life that I think we all want to do and never kind of get around to doing and my book this year was a goal one of my goals for this year was to get my book written and I had written around 16,000 words up to this point but it was kind of just not happening and uh, so I said to Joe can I hire a batch and go and do this so I got this cool little batch in Akaroa it was really like a family batch they had the family photos and nice. I loved it it was kind of cool and then um, and I just sat down I wrote five days non-stop basically I, mm-hmm. I pretty much got up at seven in the morning and then I would write for an hour and a half just mm-hmm. non-stop and then do about 30 minutes rest so I'd like do some yoga or I'd yeah. have a sleep or I'd just you know muck around um, have some lunch and stuff and then I basically did that through to about 5 or 6 at night and then mm-hmm. just chill at night and just yeah and just wrote 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 and I got it finished so the first draft is finished right? Um, which is kind of cool so now there's a bit of a process so I've got to I'll go through it again and do a bit of a tidy up and then uh, get it to some people to proof and then I've been talks with publishers, which is cool. But if there are any publishers listening to the show and you're interested in maybe talking to me about this, let me know. Um, is it going to be an ebook or is it actually going to get printed? Well, that's the, that's the dilemma, John, because you kind of go, what a publisher can provide you is networks and maybe a bit of exposure. But I've got a pretty big audience, you know, like through this and through my other podcast and through my writing and stuff I do. And so I don't 
necessarily need the publisher to provide my audience. And mm-hmm. so um, I'm not sure. Because the thing is, if you just want to do an ebook, mm-hmm. if there was no other, if there weren't printed books in the world, yeah. you, just, you just publish it yourself. It's so easy nowadays. But there is still a big market for published books or, or for printed mm-hmm. books. And so um, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm not sure. I, there definitely will be both versions. And anyone in the world, we have to get it. Um, but that was really cool. It was really rewarding. It was kind of nice to get to that last moment and, and kind of get that done. So that was, that was yeah, it was pretty good. Do, do I get mentioned in there? You do, actually. Oh, I got it. In a positive light, too. I said, he's really great, but just don't wear a red cap. That was, that, that was the key. Um, and you know what else happened, John? You know, I'm a bit of a part-time supermodel. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, that's how I feed my family. Yeah. Doing a job this week. And they said, there was a couple of funny things about supermodel. They said to me, uh, can you please turn up with a bit of a beard? Because, um, you know, bring your shaver because we can just chop it back if it's not long enough. Yeah. It's not going to happen, is it, John? Yeah, you need to give me six months advance warning for that, people. <laughs> and I wrote back to the agent. I said, look, I'm not really good at growing beards. And uh, she goes, oh, they won't mind. And I'm like, look, that's, that's three days there, John. That's pretty poor. That's pretty poor. So yeah. I'm going to disappoint them. But then I got another email about a week, two weeks ago, because when you're doing modeling jobs, they often they want to see you first. And so they said, oh, can you send through some photos, body shots, you know, so, you know, basically in Yundies, because it was for a medical journal. Mm. So they want to have a body and an example of bodies that they're going to use in this medical journal. And so I, I kind of half-heartedly put these shots in and got up in the morning, took some photos and they were average and kind of didn't think I'd get the job. I got the phone call yesterday from the agent and she goes, oh, look, um, they really, want, they really like what you got. They think, you you know, it's going to be good for yeah, the job. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Just one thing, do you mind being nude? Really? <laughs> yes. And I'm like, oh, no, what do I do? <laughs> and they go, show me the money. <laughs> show me the money. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. There's not going to be nude photos of me in the in the. So it's not going to be your shizzle stick. It's more going to be your, your butt. <laughs> no, no. It's it's. I don't even think. Oh, my, I don't care if this is my butt. It's more the shizzle stick. It's more. They just need to make sure they can get low enough, and they think uh, that they might have to go low enough so that it's just going to be easier if I've got. My, my, what is it? My shizzle stick. My shizzle stick. <laughs> my shizzle stick. <laughs> Showing. So, um, just put uh, a sock over it. <laughs> well, that's what I thought. Why can't I use a sock? So maybe there's dirty poops. Uh. So, um, so I, I, I'm not, I'm not the kind of guy who likes to be nude in front of people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not. You know, do you know? Have you got the the drunk mate who always gets his winger out? Oh yeah. yeah. Who, who's your mate? Oh, this is Sam. <laughs> there's yeah. always one. We got Cam, my group yeah. of friends. Cam, yeah. get him drunk. Yeah. Got his, I once had a girlfriend who was the girl. She always getting knockers there. And I was like, oh, God, she was hard work. Yeah. And um, so, so, so the lo- long story short, you're taking the job. I got, it was a hard decision. Yeah. I but, took this job, but yeah. I am going to take a sock. Yeah. What, so I've got to go to a practice shoot next week. Yeah. I just imagine the moment, because I just won't be that comfortable. Mm. And you've got to feel good when you're doing modeling. The key to being a model is not caring, because mm. you, you, the thing is not having no self-awareness around what's happening. It's just, you know what, stand up in front of them. It's not hard where you stand there, but you don't be aware of what people are thinking. You just stand there and do what you need to do. And I can't imagine I won't be self-aware of my, my swizzle stick showing up. <laughs> So, so that's probably the biggest oh, well, dilemma in my life right now, John. We'll be Facebooking those pictures when they come out. Yep, exactly. I definitely want to make sure the room's hot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want a cold environment. <laughs> no shrinkage, please. Well, you don't want a hot photographer either. Well, I, well, I hope it's all guys. Well, you'd rather be boys, wouldn't you? I think so. Yeah. Or would you? Yeah. You wouldn't want to get excited, would you? You would not. No, you wouldn't want a hot... Yeah. Oh, the dilemmas of life, John. You've got a tough life, Bevan. Anything else happening? Tough life. Oh, going to the All Blacks on the weekend. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Go to the All Blacks. I mean, just get some free tickets. Yeah, you Aussies are going down in the cricket, I think, tonight or tomorrow. 
Well, a couple of days. Oh, we're playing the Aussies, are we? Yeah. We beat the Sri Lankans. Mm-hmm. Beat, beat the Poms. Poms. Take that. <laughs> yeah, you Poms. All we care about is one day cricket. Who cares about test cricket? It's yeah. a stupid game. Yeah. There's no results. Goes for five days. Boring. Exactly. One day, it's where it's at. Where it's at. We're rambling, Bevan. We're rambling. No, we're not. People are loving the fact I'm going to the Oplex. I've got mm-hmm. free tickets. And I go to Joe. I go, hey, babe, I've got free tickets to rugby. She goes, oh. I go, don't you want to rugby? She goes, what if it's cold? Yeah. <laughs> this is the yeah. And I go, she goes, oh, can I let you know later in week? Take me, Bevan. Take oh, me. I said that. I said, look, I'm going to hook it off. Don't worry about that. I'm going to get someone to come with me. She goes, no, I'll let you know on Thursday. So if the weather's bad, John, if you want to go, you can come with me. Sounds good to me. Okay. I'm Russ. I'm in it. Train hard. Train smart. Kick Kick car. Car. Remember, guys, Peter Reid on Legends of Triathlon. Check it out. It's a great interview. Nice. Here we go.